It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program here. As always, you're invited. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. And it's Bonnie. And Aria is out tonight. She got called in to uh, deliver pizzas for the night because, well, we, we got hammered by a major snowstorm here in new hampshire over the last 24 hours and i've been saying that you know or you were saying bonnie that this has been a pretty weak winter so far and it has been it's been pretty warm in fact uh, it's not just here in the u.s we learned last week that in europe they've been having warmer temperatures which is why we haven't heard anything about like crazy shortages of energy happening yet in europe given all of the you know the situation that they've been dealing with with uh no russian oil or limited access to it so it's been a a warmer winter overall but it did get cold enough to uh hit us pretty hard with a snowstorm so we we dug out of like over a foot of snow it doesn't even have really much to do with how cold it is like it's been colder this winter but with less snow on the ground and this time it's like in the 30s but there's like over a foot of snow outside. Like, it's taller than my dog. Yeah. And uh, so that's what we've been dealing with a lot of the day today. But there's all kinds of interesting things here in the news tonight. And, by the way, we do have the Coco Cam on uh, our cam feed tonight over at video.freetalklive.com. So if you want to see Coconut, uh, he is in our third host seat uh, over at video, or rather, watch.freetalklive.com. Uh, so, so yeah, it's Ian and Bonnie here tonight and Bonnie, you had some interesting items to discuss this evening. When we get a chance, we can also talk about, uh, this guy that has a sex doll that he's calling his girlfriend. Uh, that's something that I've had in, in show prep for a little while. Plus, uh, antidepressants. Here's a surprise. They can cause emotional blunting. But before we get into that Didn't, story... Wasn't that just like common knowledge? You would think, but this is, you know, that's breaking what news apparently. Seems like people that are on it say that all the time like oh i'm glad to be on my antidepressants the only thing is it kind of gives you like no emotions i see that constantly yeah we can talk about that it's in the news now so i mean it's if it's something people were saying now there's a study uh behind that but bonnie you had a story about a medical journal the american medical journal i believe it or journal american journal of medicine that is saying that believing in freedom is bad for you yes this is from independent.org, or the Independent Institute. It says, belief in freedom is bad for you. So is distrust of government, according to a study in the American Journal of Medicine. <laughs> Quote, one possibility relates to a distrust of government or belief in freedom that contributes to both vaccination preferences and increased traffic risks. So, it's kind of a weird way to just start off the article, uh-huh, yeah. but they're saying in the art in the study from the american journal of medicine that's a quote from it and they're saying um that they tested 11 million 270,763 individuals 16 percent had not received a covid vaccine and 84 percent had received a covid vaccine the cohort accounted for uh, the cohort of scientists uh, no, that would be a cohort of the people they uh, they included in the study. Oh, the the cohort accounted for okay, so the people who had not um, six thousand six hundred eighty two traffic crashes, unvaccinated. Oh, wait, what's the cohort? The cohort would I believe be the eleven million them? people. 
So all of them accounted for 6,682 traffic crashes. Unvaccinated individuals accounted for 1,682 traffic crashes, which is 25%, equal to a 72% increased relative risk compared with those vaccinated. Why in the world would they even consider looking at whether or not somebody was vaccinated in regards to a traffic crash? They're trying to say that because those people who didn't get vaccinated likely don't trust the government, that means that they are more risky when driving. It says, quote, these data suggest that COVID vaccine hesitancy is associated with significant increased risks of traffic crash the authors contend that does not betoken a strong case i don't know this article is kind of crappy i mean it doesn't really seem significant to me i mean if we're talking about they're saying that 16 percent of the 11 million people uh, had not taken the vaccine but 25 percent of unvaccinated 25 percent of the traffic crashes were associated with the unvaccinated uh, individuals. I mean, that doesn't seem like 25% a huge increase. Uh, of, 25% of the crashes were unvaccinated, but only 16% of the whole 11 million were the unvaccinated people. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that they accounted for more crashes than they should have. Apparently, 72% increased relative risk. This sounds so familiar. I feel like there was some sort of story like this back... I, I realize this is a new, uh, new story. It came out this month. At uh, the Independent Institute, which their today. website is down. Yeah. Um, no, it came out on January 12th, according oh. to this. But uh, but I remember hearing something very similar to this back in like 2020 when we were doing, you know, basically all COVID-related coverage. They've been trying to suggest this, I think, for a little while. Is there anything else that uh, you thought was worth sharing? Well, the rest of this article is them going into like why somebody might be vaccine hesitant. They're saying... The um, medical, the scientists on this didn't consider why somebody might be distrustful of the government or distrustful of the vaccine. And they're going into why. We already know why. So I don't think anything is really more interesting than that. It's just that they're trying to say that if you don't trust the government, you, you might be more you know, less risk adverse and therefore at risk and it's bad for you. That's what they concluded by saying that people who aren't vaccinated get in more traffic accidents. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't really understand the point of the study. Are they trying to scare people who are risk averse uh, or rather less risk averse into becoming more concerned about risk, like that they should follow what the government says are they trying to change people who are already against the government into people who are for the government simply because they're supposed to be worried that they might get in a traffic accident i I think the idea more would be those people who did follow the law or not follow the law follow the government science uh, science and get vaccinated they're supposed to look at the other people like, wow, those people are a danger on the road, too. Mm. They're a danger to us because they don't follow the rules. Okay, so this is kind of like patting those people on the back. Like, oh, you're a good little citizen. You are safer. See, here's the statistic showing that you're a safer person than these dangerous people over here. Yeah, they don't even... They probably. I mean, I think the implication is trying to be like... Because when I first heard about this, I thought they were saying just like, you'll be driving and you'll just die of COVID or something like that. But now I think that they're trying to say... 
people who didn't get vaccinated, they just blow through red lights. They just speed everywhere they go, you know. Uh, did you see the story? This, I guess, is kind of related to this, uh, Bonnie, that the World Economic Forum, of course, their meeting was happening last week. And I don't know how true this is. It could be one of those total fake news stories or whatever, but it was interesting nonetheless. The claim was that the World Economic Forum was insisting that the pilots who were bringing in their speakers and bringing in the, you know, the elites, that the pilots be unvaccinated. Unvaccinated? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, even though everyone that well, had then to they ad- would be more uh, risky and get into more traffic accidents in the sky, right? Well, but at the same time, they wouldn't have an increased risk of having a heart attack, right? <laughs> uh, while they were flying the plane. So again, I don't know if that's true. I don't know how they would find that information out because I doubt that the World Economic Forum was going to, you know, announce that publicly that that was their policy, uh, considering that they were vac- or they were uh, requiring vaccinations. Like you had to prove your vaccination status in order to actually get into the so World where did Economic that Forum. information come from? I don't know. Like I said, I it, it might have been just one of those fake news stories, but uh, it was interesting. And nonetheless, I did not dig deep in into it. If you want to comment, though, you can bring up whatever you want here. I think there's an actually interesting part of this story, Bonnie, at the uh, the end where they kind of uh, speak on just the idea of not trusting the government. So I think I, I think that's worthy of sharing here. But first, let's go to Major Payne on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. Hey, Ian. Um, yeah. Well, in order to compile statistics, you got to deal on data that's at least a year or two old, right? So this goes back to the beginning of the pandemic. Hmm. Well, of course, you know me. I don't trust the government. I'm flipping the bird every time I can. Mm-hmm. But And I didn't take the jab, but I was one of those, what do they call them, essential workers, mandatory, you know. Yep, essential. Mm-hmm. Essential workers, yeah. So I was out there on the front line all the time, you know. But I'm a carpenter, so I don't have to deal with a whole lot. I mean, it's not like I'm slinging bags in Walmart's grocery line or nothing, dealing with 500 people a day or nothing. Okay. But still, I mean, I wasn't scared of it. And uh, on the other hand, when I was out there driving during those mandatory working times, I was the only dog on the road. Yeah. I could have done 120 miles an hour every yeah, that was an interesting time, that's for sure, when uh, all the roads were basically just empty. Yeah, there's this road, it's 1604, like it's a huge, huge loop that goes all the way around San Antonio, but um, mm-hmm. the the north part of it is always so full of traffic, and everybody basically speeds on it anyway, it's like four-lane highway, but during COVID, it was crazy, like there was hardly any cars, and everyone was going like 90 on it. Well, didn't somebody set a new record for the Cannonball Run, which is, uh, I believe, a full drive across the country during the COVID thing? They just they were easily able to just sail across the whole country in mm. no time flat because there was no one on the roads. That doesn't surprise me, but I'd be interested to hear it. Yeah. Um, what was they thinking? Oh, yeah, have you ever, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever driven around Chicago, but it's another one of those four-lane madhouses. Mm. No, thank uh, goodness. I've never been I've never been uh, to Chicago if, except for the airport. Me too, airport only. If, if, if you're not in the lane that you need to turn off on your exit like two miles before you get there, mm. it ain't happening. Wow. Unless you've got like, a Ferrari or something. Major, anything else you want to share tonight? Well, just um, like I said, flip them off every time you can. Don't trust them and uh, 
there's a reason that they compile the statistics is because of us, us old war, road warriors was the only ones out there. Thank you, Major. By the way, uh, I think we did get your check that yeah, you your sent amp. to Bonnie. So thank you so thank for you. that. Yep. Cool, definitely, cool. definitely appreciate it, man. And have a great night. Appreciate your call. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. So I just want to jump ahead here in your story, Bonnie, because I thought there was something else worth sharing in it. And uh, they point out that uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines do not prevent acquisition or transmission of COVID-19. Joe Biden and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci were shot up more times than a Toronto junkie, yet both tested positive. That should make uh, should be enough to make anybody hesitate. And the Pfizer vaccine raises another issue. The Food and Drug Administration sought court approval to delay release of the data used to approve the Pfizer vaccine until 2096, a full 75 years, in effect a proxy for never. As attorney Aaron Siri notes, vaccines are now widely mandated and those injured by the vaccine cannot sue Pfizer, which profits from its product. That's because they protect the vaccine manufacturers from any kind of lawsuits. And so any stupid. kind of liability. It's like the idea that people are just okay with that because it's like, well, they're trying to save people. If they accidentally kill everyone on Earth, it it's not their fault. I mean, it's just like so ridiculous. Well, I mean, the odds that they're going to kill everyone on Earth are pretty uh, pretty low. But even if they kill 1%, they can't be held accountable for that. They cannot be held to any sort of responsibility uh, for that. Whereas normally when it comes to medicines in the United States, and I'm not saying I support the FDA. I don't. I don't think they should exist at all. But normally there's a ridiculous process to get a medication to marketplace. And if it kills a very small percentage or injures a very, very small percentage of people, it's usually not even approvable or it'll be, un, you know, it'll be unapproved if it is approved. And then it starts being shown as being dangerous uh, to people beyond what it was tested at. Then they will re, you know, they'll just reject that. They'll, they'll say, OK, well, you can't market this anymore. And they'll pull that off the market. That's not true of uh, of these vaccines because there's no liability whatsoever it says here that was not true of the salk and sabin vaccines which creators jonas salk and albert sabin gave away for free and which proved very effective against polio according to it's like when people try to compare the covid vaccine to things like oh when we first came up with polio vaccines well so many less people died it's such a different animal well i mean that's because the new vaccines are uh, mrna right well, not just that. It's like nowadays the things that people get when they're little kids uh, also injure them and people aren't allowed to question it at all. Like, oh, my baby who's been talking since a normal age got his two-year-old vaccines. Now he's autistic and nonverbal hmm. and acted like he was sick the day he got his vaccines and hasn't been the same since then. Oh, you're not allowed to question that. It doesn't. It's you're just crazy, you know. According to the CDC, the COVID vaccines have brought reports of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, and pericarditis, inflammation of the outer lining of the heart. That would be bad for airline pilots who face regular medical testing to keep their job, so the pilots have grounds for vaccine hesitancy. Other possibilities for significant increased risk of a traffic crash include, quote, distrust of government or belief in freedom, unquote. They say here governments have been known to lie, indulge corruption, start destructive wars, and slap their own citizens into internment camps. <laughs> Native peoples have good reason to distrust the American and Canadian governments without any association with increased risk of a traffic crash. In similar style, the authors come up short on reasons why people might believe in freedom. Runaway slaves certainly believed in freedom. Otherwise, they would have stayed on the plantation. 
A belief in freedom also inspired many to risk their lives fleeing Stalinist dictatorships such as Cuba, North Korea, and East Germany. It has been established that free societies outperform dictatorships on every indicator, particularly human rights. Belief in freedom is about a lot more than how it might factor into increased risk of a traffic crash. In fact, what we've seen over the years is there's actually studies that have been done that have shown, uh, I believe there was one in Denmark, I don't know, two decades ago or something like that. It's been a while. Maybe they've redone it since then. But they found that when they actually took away all of the traffic control devices, and by traffic control, I mean like stoplights, uh, signs on the side of the road telling you things, maybe as you're going around a curve, you know how they have those barriers on the sides of the road to stop you from like flying off the curb, supposedly, or the well, curve. Dang, those seem pretty necessary. Well, they took them away, and what they found was that when those things aren't there, people drove better. They didn't drive more crazy because the signs and the barriers and the lights weren't there. They actually drove more cautiously because they didn't know where the road ended or whatever, right? Like they didn't they they didn't have that sense of safety like, "Oh, well, I can I can take this curve at 50 miles an hour instead of 35 miles an hour because there's a barrier there. So, I don't you know. know. I, I don't think people think like that about those it's tiny little a, barriers. Well, it wasn't the idea wasn't that it was a conscious thought. It was that it was a subconscious sort of awareness that because the barriers are present, people are more likely to drive faster. They're more likely to take risks that they otherwise wouldn't take. I, I don't know. I just think in a non-government world we would still have light light up things that let you know that you're coming up on a curve you might i, I mean i don't know it's hard to say what the the market would come so up evil with. about that like i'm not saying you, it's evil i mean like you drive with your subconscious basically like mm-hmm. if you've ever been like dang i wasn't looking at the road for the last 10 minutes how did that happen it's because your subconscious was literally driving your car and i don't see anything wrong with uh helpful subconscious cues on the roads for one thing, when I didn't have bright uh, headlights, um, there'd be plenty of times driving in New Hampshire where it's all one-lane highways, which are ten times more dangerous than four-lane highways, and it's a bunch of like swerves because it's not really like mountains where we are, but it's like mm-hmm. really hilly. It's a bunch of sudden curves where I was just like, oh, oh my god! Like I didn't know we were about to curve so suddenly, and luckily that thing like lit up with my headlights. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that these things are per se bad. I was bringing it up as an example of how it is that more freedom does not mean necessarily more risk-taking. In fact, the opposite is true. If there's more, at least according to this study that they did, if there's more freedom on the roads, meaning less things telling you what to do, whether consciously or subconsciously, people would behave with less risk-taking uh, with fewer signs and things like that. Again, if it's a free market, I think you would see, I think you would see road owners wanting to make sure people were safer on their roads. They don't want to have to deal with traffic accidents. They don't want to have to deal with you know cleaning up a mess or dead bodies or whatever. They don't, certainly don't want the word getting out that their roads are dangerous and 
have somebody take alternative paths. So I think that you probably still would see many of this, the same safety measures. But that said, I mean, you certainly would agree that some safety measures are overdone, right? Like like a lot of the stoplights here that just make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. They're like, oh, ultra, ultra safety. They could where- at the least just be stop or stop signs. There, there's a lot of uh, cases like that, and there's a lot of cases where stop signs exist where they really shouldn't exist, where maybe you could have a stop sign on, uh, you know, if you've got a four-way intersection and one of the two roads that's intersecting is the busy road, well, you let that road just go, right? And then the road where it's not as busy, then they have a stop sign or a yield sign, right? Like, okay, yield was even, is even better than a stop because then it's just like, okay, we trust you to pay attention, we trust your eyes and your brain to work and you can look and you can see it's no trees or no bushes in the way or whatever, presuming that you can actually look down the road to see if there's anyone coming. Or at the very least, just leave it the exact way it is, but don't have road sharks driving around, road pirates driving around. Ticketing people. Ticketing people who yeah. say, oh, it says to stop, but I'm just going to go because I can see that there's nothing there. You know, mm-hmm. if it said stop, but it was really just like optional, be different. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, that would be a more of a legal change. Uh, And certainly it would cost money to change stop signs out into yield signs. So from a fiscal perspective, there's an argument for where where you're coming from. And but we're agreeing on the same thing. I agree with you. I'm just saying that when you said the thing about the curvy highway things, that seems ridiculous to me. That doesn't seem like something that's like, oh, it's the government nanny state. That just seems like common sense. You need that there. Big yeah. cliff coming up. It's midnight. There's no lights around because New Hampshire hates lights. And you're going 50 miles an hour because the road is 50 miles an hour. And then suddenly the car- road just curves. It's pretty useful to have those like arrow no I'm arrow not saying things. it's not useful. I'm not making the argument against those things. Okay. I was bringing it up just as an example of to, con- uh, to counter what the study is saying. The study is saying that belief in freedom equals greater risk taking. And that may be true, but it's certainly not true when it comes to uh, driving on the roads. In the case of driving on the roads, more freedom actually results in lower risk taking as far as people and how they behave. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about trusting the government, which unfortunately way too many people believe in the government even after all of the things that they've done that prove their corruption they still buy their lies more coming up on free talk live we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day from wrestling superstars like glenn jacobs you guys really are having an impact i believe like i said uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Yeah! 
is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here and you can bring up whatever you want and take control of the airwaves. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Bonnie here in the studio tonight. And I do want to thank A. Friedman for being a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Uh, gold level, which means that A. Friedman is contributing 10 bucks a month uh, to what we do here. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. It's a way for you to get behind Free Talk Live and help us get the word out about freedom and liberty and why freedom is important and peace. Uh, if you like what we do here, then please help us out. Uh, and you can do that over at amps.freetalklive.com. You get some perks. You get access to uh, things like the Amp Only podcast, which has the full radio show without any recorded commercials. And uh, there's some other benefits as well. You can go and sign up through our Patreon over at amps.freetalklive.com. And again, thank you to A. Friedman for doing that. That's uh, amps.freetalklive.com. Bonnie, you brought in a story here tonight from the Independent Institute where the American Journal of Medicine has put out a study where they apparently looked at over 11 million people in, uh, was it U.S. and Canada, I think? Yeah, there was Canadian and United States doctors, so I think so. Yeah, and they looked at uh, the number of people of that group that had traffic accidents within the time frame they were looking at, I'm guessing within the last two years. Uh, And of the traffic accidents, they looked at how many were unvaccinated, versus how many were vaccinated and and then looked at the total number of people and how many of them were unvaccinated. And they say that 16% of the total number had not taken the vaccine, while 25% of the traffic crash group or the traffic accident group had not taken the vaccine. So they're saying more people, you know, I don't know, 50% more roughly, uh, or there was a 50% increase in your chance of getting into a car accident if I'm running, reading said these 72% increased risk. Oh, was it 72%? Okay, thank you. You're right about that. Yeah, 72% increased relative risk compared with those who are vaccinated. And the, con- and the uh, conclusion they came from this was that people who are not taking vaccines are uh, not as afraid of taking risks. And and they, so- well, they said that they straight up said people who don't trust the government, it's bad for you. <laughs> it's bad for you to not trust the government. Yeah, meaning that you may but, be more likely to get into a car accident. One thing I'd like to know is, like, what did they count as a car accident? They didn't say crash. Like, mm, you corrected true. yourself. Like, are they counting, like, fender benders? Are they counting, you know, just people running stop signs? Like, yeah. they, who knows? Well, it does say traffic crashes. 6,682 oh, traffic crashes. But you're right. A fender bender is technically a crash. Yeah. It? Uh, if you want to comment here, you're welcome to uh, you're welcome to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Let's go to Stephen in Northwest Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, uh, real quick, I just want to like thank you guys for having a Patreon. Sure. Um, I didn't realize you had it. I have it now. All right. Um, I'm typically not able to stay up late enough to listen to the show because I'm working mornings now, and I love being able to listen to it. Oh, when thank I'm you. Man. Ready for work and when I'm at work and. Shoving it down my coworkers' throats. You know, <laughs> Appreciate it. Give them a healthy dose of freedom. But can we just like stop and take a moment and just realize that ninety percent of what the government, and not even like the U.S. government or the Georgia government or the New Hampshire government, but like governments, right? Mm-hmm. All of them. The ninety percent of what's come out of their mouth 
in the last, I don't know, three years or 300 years or 3,000 years or whatever is here's why you should be afraid. Mm. Like, you should all panic. And when you panic, you should trust me because I am divine. Like, can we just stop and realize that all of this is, like, to make you scared? And I'm sorry, like, different part of the world, hopefully you don't have to kick me off for saying this, but I was raised, if somebody bullies you, the second they lay hands, you lay hands back. Right? And I'm not advocating fighting, well, I need to be careful. I'm not saying we should pick a fight with the government. Okay, good. I am saying... Because it won't work very like, well. Well, I, I am saying, like, I'm the type of person that if a bully's like, hey, you should wear blue tomorrow. I'm wearing red and green mm-hmm. and purple. Like, we, like, just make their lives harder and and also just be happy, right? Don't live your entire life afraid. If we listened to, if I, if I did everything the government told me to do in my lifetime, I would probably be wearing a gas mask, which <laughs> is going to be le- illegal soon. I would probably be hiding under a rock. And if anyone spoke any language besides English, I would cry because I was terrified that they were going to blow something up <laughs> oh, or yep. attack me with a box cutter. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Stephen, that the government lives off of people's fear. That is what is so important that uh, that they make people afraid. Because if people aren't afraid, then they can't as easily be told what to do. And so that's why the government always has to have some sort of enemy of the moment. So... For the last, you know, 20, since roughly since 2001, the enemy has been so-called terrorists. That's been the fear that they've been spreading. And then, of course, in uh, COVID times, they started spreading the fear about COVID. And your neighbors who aren't doing enough to protect you. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, my mask protects you. Oh, and right. my vaccine protects you. Right. So your neighbor is now the threat. Yep. Your neighbor is now uh, the person to be afraid of. And uh, so, yeah, they've always got to have that. They've always got to have the enemy, the other, uh, whether it be the Russians or your neighbors or the terrorists or whatever. It's, you, you fill in the blank over whatever given time period. There's always some sort of thing that the government wants you to be afraid of. So you will give them your power. You will transfer your own authority over to these strangers, these psychopaths in uh, D.C. or like you said, at the state government level as well. And give them total control over your life. That's what they want. Yeah, I just I think the best remedy for that is to be happy and do that thing you've been wanting to do. You mean whatever it is right? that the person listening has been wanting to do that they haven't done? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good I suggestion. Think- Steven, anything else you want to share tonight? Um I mean, I'm still praying for your uh still praying for your um what do they call it? Your sentencing. Thanks, hopefully man. they're hopefully they're freedom minded. I appreciate that, uh, and uh, well, I mean, I have no belief necessarily that uh, federal judges are per se freedom minded, but uh, hopefully he will uh, will understand that you know putting a peaceful person behind bars is contrary to you know someone who's never actually harmed anyone is contrary to like the purpose of <laughs> of uh, putting people behind bars. 
But we've got uh, a lot of great folks who have written letters so far, so thank you to everybody that has done that. If you would like to write the judge on my behalf and explain why you think that uh, you know I've been helpful to you in your life or to uh, the community, uh, then there's instructions on how to do that. Just go to letters.freetalklive.com. There's an address there that you can uh, send it to as well. Uh, that's letters.freetalklive.com. Stephen, thanks for the call tonight, man. I, I do appreciate hearing from you. Well, and um, I agree with him that... Well, so... When you're a kid and you're taught, I mean, not everyone, but definitely it seems like a lot of people, I don't think that ever happened to me. I just never got bullied, but a lot of people get told, like, if a bully hits you, you hit him back. And I don't think it's, like, the best thing to teach your kid, but it's not really, like, wrong. Like, if somebody hits you, you know, defend yourself against it. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't work. I just think they're, like, he was trying to get at, there's more effective ways to do the thing. Like, you get bullied you know be a good person and make friends who will stick up for you and uh do what you want without apologizing to the bully don't be afraid don't live in fear tell them you know talk to them as in saying i'm not going to do what you're saying dude you know yeah well and and i think that uh when it comes to the government bully it you got to handle things differently if it's just a schoolyard bully then you are fully within your rights to defend yourself with uh, with some level of violence. And in most cases, bullies are actually cowards, and they don't want to really get into a fight. They just want to pick on people and get their lunch money or whatever. And if, uh, if the mark or the potential victim is not going to just bend over and do what they're told, then the bully will pick on someone else. That's sort of the idea behind why you would want to fight back in that circumstance. But when it comes to the government bullies... The difference is, and the reason why violence is not a a good plan in any way, shape, or form, is because government has what might be termed legitimacy in the minds of people. Most people don't see them as bullies, even though we know that that's what they are. We know that they are picking on people. We know that they go after peaceful people and they threaten them and they extort them and they lie to them and and you know they use the money that they steal from you to do more extortion and more threatening and, and murdering murdering people around the world and, and torture. Im- imprisoning uh, peaceful people. So we know what they do. But unfortunately, we're not in a place where most people do. And so most people... Uh, believe the government's legitimate. They believe all of the the propaganda that they've oh, been sold. If we didn't sold. have them, warlords would take over, and That's they would imprison have. and torture and you know abuse people yeah. all over the world. That's exactly what they are doing, of yep. course. Uh, but they still don't see it, right? And and so if you're violent in regards to the state threatening you there's multiple reasons why that's a bad plan one is people won't see what you're doing as a good thing they will see it as uh, you're a violent crazy person and you need to be stopped and then they will actually want the government to have more um you know oppression on their side they will want to have more laws passed to protect them from so-called domestic terrorists or whatever they will cheer having more government in their lives to protect them from these crazy violent people right so that's one reason there's also the sort of uh fundamental belief that i have that violence just doesn't solve problems that generally you know it's there's nothing wrong with violence in defense of yourself or others i'm not i'm not a total pacifist in that way so i think that it can stop an attack in the moment but i think generally the use of violence uh especially against the government is actually going to make matters worse because it encourages them to become more violent you are ultimately becoming the thing that you hate by being like them because violence is their tool 
That is the thing that they know how to use. That's what they're prepared for. And all the stuff you're saying is just a really practical way of saying like what a lot of spiritual people have discovered as there's, you know, a energy force all around us. And when you're contributing to the dark side of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what your meanings are behind it. If you're mm-hmm. killing someone, you're killing someone. If there are uh, people who feed off this dark energy, you're just feeding them. And it's a lot harder and a lot more courageous to find a way to do everything that you do with love mm. and not let them give you their mind. When you take on the mind you become them. of them, yeah. you become them, you help them, you feed them. Well, I mean, look at Jesus, for instance, as, a, as one of a myriad of examples of leaders in, in the past, who, especially a spiritual leader, uh, who set that example of taking the peaceful path rather than, I mean, he was being persecuted, right? Like he could have gone on some sort of crazy, violent uh, attack or whatever. Yeah, but- he knew it was coming. He talk, talked about how his days were numbered. Yeah, but he he didn't go in that direction, and he showed the uh, the peaceful path is the way the way to go. It doesn't you know doesn't guarantee that you're not going to suffer, right? Like suffering is sort of uh, as as Buddha pointed out, that's you know part of life, right? Like that's I mean Buddhism believes that suffering is what life is, basically at various different uh, various different levels. But, um, you know, you don't want to create more suffering in the world by using violence. So, I mean, there's so many different examples of this as to why it's just not a good plan. I do like what Stephen was saying, right? Like, focus on other things. Focus on the things that maybe you haven't done that you want to do. And don't obey. Try not to. Because there's a difference between using violence and non-cooperation. And I think a lot of people who are frustrated by the government, they're always like, plotting okay how can i get back at these you know government people you know violent plans are going through their mind and they always it it always seems like they they believe that their choices are to either obey or to get violent like there's never any kind of middle ground for those people of where you don't obey but you also don't get violent and you look at what are the other options for you and there's actually a lot of them there are a lot of options for people that are are willing to are not willing to go to violence, but are also not wanting to do what they're told. And you can really ruin uh, the government's day by throwing a wrench into the system, so to speak, uh, by not obeying their their diktats, by spreading the word about how to not obey them. And it doesn't have to be something where you're like on front street doing civil disobedience that's sort of the most visible aspect of of not obeying but you can also just not obey quietly there are a variety of different ways people do this in business all the time where they might not report all of the money that they're making to the federal government or whatever right somebody comes in and pays cash it goes into their pocket so i mean there like there's a, there's ways that people do this that are very very common now, of course, it can help if you are with other like-minded people who are also together not obeying the government in various different ways. 
There's not a guarantee that that's going to, again, protect you. They may decide to target you. They may decide to uh, make an example out of you to try to intimidate other people into obedience. And, you know, they are somewhat successful at doing that sometimes. But if you can continue to get more people together, which is what a lot of us are doing here in New Hampshire with the uh, the freedom migration where there are thousands of liberty-minded people who've come here to new hampshire and i'm not saying they're all like you know civil disobedience people or non-cooperation people and, and that's what's cool about it like you can find whatever type of you know uh activism you want to do and you can find a whole bunch of other people doing like the exact type of thing and you can find the people that agree with you on like this is the best thing we should be spending our energy on and just hang out with those people and do that thing um and then there's other people who are going to be doing it a different way you know yeah i think it's uh it's a really exciting movement to to be a part of and there was never any kind of libertarian civil disobedience prior to new hampshire there i'd never heard of anything like that happening anywhere um, and non-cooperation is another option. Who was I talking to the other day that they got a parking ticket? Um, it was Richie. Richie, yeah. our, uh, our Sunday night show host. He got a one of those overnight parking tickets where in the wintertime in New Hampshire, if you are parked on the street in Manchester, the big, the big quote-unquote big city here, if you're on one side of the street on like odd nights and then the other side of the street on even nights or something like that. It's, I don't live in Manchester, so I don't know the exact rules, but it's something like that. You can be on the street. You just have to be on the correct side of the street or you will get a ticket. And so he was on the wrong side of the street because his landlord had threatened him over parking in that spot. So he moved because of his landlord, apparently. Hmm. And then he got a ticket from the city. Is he going to defend himself? Yeah, he's going to try to take it to court. He's going to go. He's gone into the uh, city hall and he's asked for his court date. And like the city hall people didn't even know what to do. Yeah, I bet no one has ever done that. Right. Right. And that's the that's part of the problem is that not enough people are doing non-cooperation. So that's not civil disobedience. He didn't he didn't park there on purpose. He didn't announce in advance publicly that he was going to park on the wrong side of the street overnight as a protest against the snowplows. He's not against snowplows. He's not against clearing the street of snow. It's just that in this particular case there was no snow. There was no, you know, ice or anything like that. It was just it was one of those nights where cops are writing tickets to people just because it's revenue and yeah. they know that most people are just going to pay it and not pay it. Not uh, put up any type of a fight like right. take the town or city's uh resources by going to trial. Exactly. Make them actually work for once. Yeah, and so these are little little ways that the average person could make a difference. And the the way that makes a difference is if you're more than just one person, if you are in a place where more than one person is, is doing things like this, then you become a pain in the butt for the, the county prosecutor or the city uh, city prosecutor or whatever. And it's like, uh, do we really want to spend an hour in court trying to convict somebody so we can get a $50 parking ticket? Yeah, they might just throw it out because they don't want to do that. It. Good chance of it. Which We've seen even- that happen wouldn't even be like the best best outcome i think the best outcome is i really hope they give him a trial because i've heard some of his stories about when he's uh defended himself i think in hawaii yeah before we met him and it it's going to be really entertaining i agree with that and that's what i told him i said i want to know like what's going on with this case i want to know when the court dates are And, and not just entertaining but it can be put on the internet and show other people look this can be done and that's right you know 
That's part of it. I think I think you make a good point there, Bonnie, because like surprisingly, as boring as I consider these court videos that I've done to be, I mean, I think court's boring. I like it's not it's not that interesting to watch it well, to me. Not if Footloose is well, Footloose himself. is a little different. He's pretty he's pretty wild and uh, and fun to watch. It gets loud, yells at judges, and and gets away with it. So it's it's fun to watch that, but. Um, but generally, like, I don't consider a court video to be a particularly motivational video. It's just like, this is what happened. Here it is for anybody that does want to see. And as it turns out, a lot of people do want to see these court videos. Some of the most popular videos on the Free Keen channel on YouTube, and I can't say on Odyssey because Odyssey doesn't have as, it hasn't been around as long and it doesn't have as many viewers. But, uh, but the history is that, some of the most watched videos are court videos and that's because if somebody has like a speeding ticket or something real routine like that a parking ticket or a speeding ticket common stuff people get these things all over the place but there's not a lot of video out there of people going to court on a speeding ticket or people going to court on a parking ticket but we have those videos so anybody that's looking for a video of or you know just searching for speeding ticket court or whatever is probably going to find our videos and then they will actually get to see like you're saying someone going through the process it's an educational experience for those people that are watching it's not just for the people that are sitting in the court i mean it's obviously educational for them if they happen to be in the courtroom at that time of course they always schedule things to where there's no one else in the courtroom except uh the free staters or the and then we go last and that has happened too although uh, to be fair and keen they actually have scheduled our hearing sometimes before anyone else which never made any sense to me but they have done that. Um, and so, you know, setting that example is a really important thing to encourage other people to like, hey, look, we've done this and you can do this too. And maybe I'm a weirdo. I enjoy, you know, reading bills and uh, that, going to weird. court and going to hearings about bills. But I do find it inspiring. I think that it's really uh, cool to watch videos of people going to court and just standing up for themselves even if they lose it's just Mm -hmm. like dang you're the man anytime someone does that well and and even if you quote unquote lose it doesn't have to be a loss it doesn't have to be that you pay them uh you can refuse to pay the fine i've never paid a fine in new hampshire of all of the things i've ever been uh, found guilty of i've done community service i've even actually paid money to a community group in lieu of paying a fine i've actually had a judge approve that what kind of community more group? Than one. like the community kitchen oh they get their you know like the local homeless kitchen or whatever they feed feed hungry people that's basically. nice because i just i can't trust that the government of Keene, the people we watched in their uh city council meeting are actually allocating any money that i would have to give them you know, to help anyone. I can't see that at all. Just seem, I mean, those people are greedy, awful, disgusting, gang members, lunatics, killers, thieves, mafia members, <laughs> parasites. Um, well, the good news is the money that the courts collect don't go to the city government. Mm. I mean, that's, there's not much good news there, but uh, it goes to the general fund, I believe, which well, goes to the state. Either way, putting it directly to a soup kitchen or something yeah. like that is a better option yeah i i really uh i i was surprised i don't even remember how i came up with that particular was it judge idea burke? it was burke yeah back in the day I, I don't even remember how i came up with that idea it was just like hey look i'm not gonna pay this so um how about i pay it to uh the, the local food kitchen 
rather than paying it to the court. And it kind of puts the court in an interesting predicament because if the court denies the motion, it makes it look like the court doesn't care about the community. Right. Right. Uh, and that's I believe it was denied at one point. I don't remember by, by which judge. So it's like it's not a guarantee that it will always work, but it doesn't hurt to ask. And so that's one thing that I've done. And then, of course, if you can't get a payment in lieu of a fine, then you can just work community service. So there's always there's always another option rather than or rather go to jail than, for the night. Yep, that's another option, which does mean you still lose. But you're always going to lose whenever you're up against the government. I mean, because even if you quote unquote win, you still lost your time. But at least record it and put it on the Internet because you can yeah. win hearts and minds. That's true. Uh, hour number two is on the way. You can join the show and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour of the show. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Bonnie here in the studio tonight. The phones are open. As always, you can bring up anything you want to discuss. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Uh, We were talking about this medical so-called journal that is... Claiming that belief in freedom is dangerous. And we can continue that discussion here. But we actually have Joe on the line in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, hi, Ian. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. What's Uh, on your mind tonight? Yeah, say I'm uh, highly upset. I'm sorry to hear that. uh, That, uh, uh, what's his name? Swab Warner, whatever heck his name is. Uh, Let's go real quick. He said what China did was... uh, good what they did to their people and stuff like that caging them up like animals wow who who's that guy who said this uh isn't it uh schwab warner from the world economic klaus uh, schwab klaus schwab yeah that's it carl schwab wow klaus i believe is his name klaus i'm being uh uh facetious okay So uh, did he okay, say so. this recently was this at their uh, their hearings or their conference that they had last week yeah Okay. Uh, and he also said it before, okay? So he said, China's doing is good. This is America, man. I got the Patrick Henry spirit in me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy sounds like a damn Nazi. That's number one. Number two, yep. you guys look up. Let me put my glass on. Look up the interview that uh, Rima LeBeau, L-A-I-B-O-W, did with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura in uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. She uh, uh, spoke about and said exactly what they were going to do uh, with this uh, COVID crap to uh, thin the herd. Yeah, I've actually seen that. I remember uh, that was making the rounds during COVID a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, lady kind of predicting that there would be some sort of mass fatality or infection event, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't but right was about everything that, she that said, was but. 2009 when she did. Yeah, she wasn't so, right about uh, everything that she predicted, but I mean, she was. It was still pretty an interesting close. interview. Yeah, and also uh, 
now they say you should kill your pets because what? they breathe. <laughs> you should kill your pet. I'm going to tell you exactly because why? Kill your pets because they breathe. They put carbon in the air. They said either starve them, uh, no starve way. them to death or kill them. Come on, they they said, yeah, this is. It, they did. I got. I, I, I got. If I knew how to send it, to, I have. Uh, this about it. Who said it? They said to kill your pets, and they had this one actress who said, "Oh, we should just eat our pets." No, 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 no. This is where I go campaigning against everybody. They all <laughs> ought to be all thrown out. All right, I do want to see this one uh, because obviously. You know, the, the so-called fact checkers are saying this one isn't true. Of course, they're always going to say those things. So it, it makes me wonder what I, I, was I, I saw. I saw the video actually said. Okay. Yeah, but who okay. was in the video? Uh, they said they said to kill your pets, let them starve to death. I think he's saying it was the World Economic Forum. One actor said you should eat the pets. <sighs> I, I don't make these things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a fact. It says here was a News Punch article. Uh, linking to a September 27th CNN piece on reducing the carbon footprint of pet ownership that makes no mention of killing animals. So, yeah, if you want to send it over, we're happy to take a look at it. You can send uh, an email if, I, if you want. If I knew how to do it, um, I'll have to call somebody I know to send it to you. Okay. It's which, Ian which, at Free Talk Live. would they send that to? Ian at freetalklive.com. A.N. at freetalklive.com. Yeah, and, and I'm not kidding around either. They, they really said this, and, you know, they all ought to be thrown out. Uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, the Terry stop. That law ought to be thrown out. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the Terry stop, we have to explain Warner, what that is. Terry stop where the cops are allowed to patch it down and stuff like that if they suspect something. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Frank McConnell... Uh, 36-year business of four guys in Cleveland casing a uh, uh, jewelry store and stuff like that. And he said, I thought they were going to uh, rob it, so I, uh, you know, uh, patted him down, all that stuff, found the guns, locked them up. Uh, and what do you call it? It was uh, found legal in the Supreme Court when it went there. Judge Earl Warner, he, uh, what do you call it, wrote the majority opinion. Well, he should have disqualified himself from that because earlier his his brother was a police officer and he was killed in the line of duty and you know i hope he goes to heaven his brother went to heaven and everything like that and stuff like that but he was tilted to the side of you know these guys you got to do it because somebody else is going to get killed and stuff like that this stuff that the, the the supreme court needs to Interpret the laws properly. Executive branch of the government uh, ought to be saying, oh, we're not ruled by the World Economic Foundation because that's what they're trying to do with these, all these social credits and uh, controlling our money and controlling us like animals uh, with this crap. You can't go 20 minutes away from your house a certain amount of time and stuff like that. They're already adopting that in Scotland and in England. And uh, the legislative branch got to say, uh, Let's uh, pass some laws that are really in tune with the uh, Constitution and not being run under the U.N. direction or the World Economic Foundation direction. I don't believe that laws are the best way. Yeah, 
I just don't think that laws are the best way to counteract people who want to impose laws on you. I think the only laws that are legitimate are natural law and humans writing them down are just being redundant. Well, we know the government doesn't follow their own laws anyway, so even if they did pass some law, right. it wouldn't be enforced because they would have to enforce I'm, it upon I'm, themselves. I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying pass law, I'm saying do what's right. Well, doing what's this, right would mean shutting down the federal government. Freedom. I mean, then they're not going to do that either. I just think that we out. need to do what's right. Human beings need to do what is right at all times. And exactly. Um, that means doing it for themselves, not hoping that the government is going to just suddenly have a change of heart and stop being reptilian freaks who get off on death and violence. They're just not going to yeah, stop. Well, I agree with you 100%. And you know what? I'm I'm really mad. You know what? I'm going to move up to New Hampshire. Well, I hope you do. Anyone who who really loves liberty ought to consider it. And Joe, thanks for the call tonight. I do appreciate hearing right, from brother. you. Keep, keep up the good Thank work. Thank you, man. And I... keep up the good work, Bonnie. God bless you all, and you're always in my prayers. I appreciate Thank it. You. you know, the, the the thing is that's frustrating about uh, the sort of anti World Economic Forum side is they do tell lies. There are misinformation sort of stories that are being put out there. And I'll give one example that I came across uh, the other day, and I I wish I had the actual link to it. I didn't bookmark it, but it was like, I can't believe he said this, was what one of the, you know, the posts that was made on social media about this. And it was like a clip from the World Economic Forum where they were interviewing Albert Bourla, who is the head of Pfizer, and remember, we played a uh, we played an inter- no, well, not really an interview, but we played a sort of an ambush interview of him with uh, the folks from uh, Rebel, Rebel News, News. and yeah. he just wouldn't answer any and, questions. Yeah, he wasn't answering questions. He did sort of try to blow him off a couple of times. He did answer like "go away" or that kind of thing, but he didn't actually give them any sort of meaningful answers to his questions. But they, you know, of course, he was at the World Economic Forum. They put him up on a stage. He was being interviewed. And there was a clip where it made it sound like Borla was saying that they are trying to kill off 50% of the world's population. But what actually the real clip, and thankfully Twitter has this community notes thing where somebody who makes a claim can actually be countered. context. yeah. Yeah, it can be countered. And in the community notes, it says, here's a link to the unedited video. And I clicked the link to the unedited video, and he didn't say... That they're trying to kill off 50% of the world's population. He said something about 50% of, uh, I don't know, it was a longer statement. And they cut like three words out Hmm. and they made it sound like he said this thing. And, you know, I know about editing video. I didn't catch it. Wow. It was so well edited. I could not detect when I watched it through the first time that it had been an edited video. But to be fair, it's probably not the actual people who are out there who are against the World Economic Forum who are putting out stuff like that. It's like, you know, controlled opposition people. Yeah, they may be doing it themselves. Yeah, they just make a Twitter account and they say, I can't believe that they said this. And then they put that out. And then, you know, people look into it and they see that it's fake. And now they don't know what to believe. They're like, how do I even know that Klaus Schwab actually said that? blah, 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 when he actually did say, you know, something else bad. Yeah, and I think you may be right about that. That could, it could very well be that they... Uh, be a smart thing for them to do. They themselves are putting out their own fake news about themselves. So therefore, it makes it seem like 
all of the claims about the World Economic Forum should be questioned, yeah. uh, or all of the counterclaims about them. And and the reality is the things they are planning are so bad on their own, they shouldn't need to be embellished. Yeah. You should just be able to put what they're saying out there. And in many cases, that is happening. Okay, I don't like want to make it sound like that doesn't exist. It does. I can't believe but. that they actually just came out with that stuff about uh, 2030. Like, you'll own nothing and you'll be, and happy. be happy. That's real. And that's, that's really what they said. 100% real. It was their like campaign it was what they were like this is what we want the people to see from us and it was so just horrible yeah very dystopian very scary stuff anti-property rights basically you'll just essentially be a serf and but yeah you'll have everything you need is the idea and that came out years ago own something you just need to pay someone else to show up with your food you don't need to own a car to go get your own food you just Mm -hmm. need to stay in your apartment in you know, mega city while somebody else brings you food or a robot brings you your food or whatever. Yeah. And that was a few years ago, several years ago that they came out with that. That wasn't even during COVID. I think it was like 2016 that that particular article or video came out. So, so again, I mean, I haven't seen the claims on the World Economic Forum claiming that they want to slaughter millions of dogs. And I'm, I'm pretty skeptical that they would be so brazen i mean look these guys are definitely willing to put some terrifying ideas out uh for people to consider and to absorb no doubt about it but that's definitely going to be something that would get them pretty severe pushback if it actually was true because people def- definitely draw the line in the sand at their pets yes oh, some do. of them it's their kids and then the other others it's their pets and there was something that kind of hinted at this during COVID, and I it's been so long since we talked about it, I don't even recall what it was. It did kind of suggest that people may be asked to get rid of their pets at some point if things keep going in a in this direction. Maybe or what you're thinking of is how in Australia there were these like twenty five dogs that were eligible for adoption. There was nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And uh they instead of you know, adopting the animals out or whatever else they could have done. They killed them. They, they killed them all. Yeah. Yeah. They just injected them all, you know, put them, put them all down. And then they killed all those minks in Denmark. Yeah, I think that it was. was so weird. Like a million that was early minks on. or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, there's definitely, these people are horrific I mean, human and beings. Nuts to say nothing about in China, how they were just killing dogs and making people leave their, yes. throw their dogs outside yeah, and that's they were eating true. each other. That, right. That really did happen. There's video of that happening of these Chinese uh, enforcers, the men in the white suits that we saw in so Inhumanely many killing dogs. It's not like they're yeah. going around like capturing them and putting a mm-hmm. shot in their bodies to where they just go to sleep. No, forever. like grabbing them and throwing them around and torturing yeah. them and just absolutely being monsters uh, to them. So, I mean, there's no doubt that some of these people are absolute psychopaths and they have no feelings towards animals at I mean, all. To, to also say nothing of the fact that Fauci, who's behind a lot of this stuff too, I don't really even know if he's at Davos, but... Oh, he tortured dogs. He's one of those people. He, yeah. yeah, he tortured dogs routinely in his experiments. He, he uh, fed baby beagles to flies while they were alive and awake and everything. Yeah, and didn't they like cut out their tongues or something so oh, they yeah. couldn't bark? Well, the barking and crying cords. They was... They cut their vocal cords yeah, or something. The crying was too traumatic for the workers, so mm-hmm. they had to cut out the animals' vocal cords so they didn't have to hear the animals crying. So it's just like horrors on top of horrors in these cases. And these are confirmed, like 100% verified uh, cases. So it's just like, why 
does there need to be fake stories about these people? They are horrible human beings. That's what I'm telling you. I don't think it's the actual people who are just anti-World Economic Forum. I think it's, you know, their own cronies. Could be. You know, getting out in front of it and making everything look fake. It is possible. Uh, So if you want to join the show here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In uh, I feel like we we did cover your story pretty well tonight, Bonnie, although there might have been a little bit more here. I think I had the yeah, we're still at the end of the story where they're kind of wrapping up, uh, you know, why people believe in freedom. So to bring you up to speed, if you're just tuning in, Bonnie had a story tonight from the Independent Institute, whose website is now down, apparently. Yeah. It's so weird because two hours ago, three hours ago, when I got this for a show prep, I was reading it on its website and then now it's down. Yeah. Websites go down sometimes. You never know when. Or why, uh, but the story here was about how this so-called medical journal is claiming that freedom is bad for you. Belief in freedom is bad for you because if you believe in freedom, you might take too many risks and therefore you might get into car accidents, essentially is what they said. And uh, the point here that they make at the Independent Journal or the Independent Institute is that a lot of people rightfully believe in freedom, like runaway slaves or people that wanted to escape from Cuba, North Korea, or East Germany. And they point out it's been established that free societies outperform dictatorships on every indicator, particularly human rights. Uh, Alternative factors in vaccine hesitancy also include political identity. But despite many possibilities, New Democratic Party, Progressive Conservative, Communist, uh, Democrat Libertarian, Green Party, etc., the authors fail to detail the political identity they have in mind. Another uh, factor in vaccine hesitancy is antipathy toward regulation and exposure to misinformation what's antipathy uh you're uh, against it basically you have a, a feeling against that sort of thing readers might consider or rather wonder how those excessively trustful of government those believing in totalitarianism worshipful of dictators and supporters of government regulation account for traffic crashes and other safety issues without conducting further research these those dangerous believers in freedom have caused to classify this study as junk science. The people who wrote the study make it clear they don't believe in freedom. For this trio, government always knows best, and so-called misinformation is anything the government doesn't like. Vaccines are always perfectly safe to them, and government vaccine mandates are good. Those skeptical of government in any way are just bad people. Well, I mean, these people... Science nowadays... It's, it doesn't matter what the truth is. They're not looking for the truth. They have a backer. A lot of the times it is the government, a financial backer. And they get the answer that the backer wants them to get. And it's just like, that's why I just don't... I really like the idea of science, mm-hmm. but the in practice anymore, it's just like, I don't have, I don't have any faith in the, those people to actually care about the truth. Well, now it's the science. And when someone, that's what I was about to get into. Whenever somebody is just like a, a doctor or a scientist or whatever, and they decide, hey, I, I realized by my own uh, observations that actually it's not this way. It's this way. Like the way we've been taught was all wrong. I, I got to mm-hmm. tell people about this. It's a new scientific break. They get, you know, it, it throughout history. Persecuted. It's not a new thing. They're persecuted. Uh, yeah, they're persecuted. They're told, you know, they're crazy and they're not associated with anymore they lose money they lose their jobs same old story as you said throughout history it's always been that way and here we are with uh, the numbers here showing that of this 11 million people that they surveyed for this 
that it was uh, 16%. Only 16% had not received a COVID vaccine. Now, of course, the question of then becomes how many of the people who had received the COVID vaccine, the 84%, received more than one? Because there was a drop-off, right? Like There was a certain number of people who got the first vaccine. They didn't come back for the second vaccine. Maybe because they had a bad experience or they started hearing stories or whatever. They didn't come back for it. So how many people dropped off after that first vaccine? How many people dropped off after the second and never got the third or the fourth or whatever? Like, and the numbers got to be going down uh, over time. And does that mean that those people no longer trust in the government? That maybe they did trust the government at the beginning of COVID, but then they changed their mind. So how many people did have their mind changed over the last two years as they were exposed to new information? What percentage of people who received at least one vaccine never came back for the second vaccine. It's it's weird because it seems like there's a lot of people. It seems like you would think the government wouldn't go as hard as they did in 2020 because it seems like there's a lot of people that even if at the beginning they were all about, you know, we're all in this together. I'm going to get the vaccine or whatever the government says and I'll I'll do it to help us not all die of COVID. It seems like there's a lot of people that ended up waking up because of 2020. You know, it seems like it's I, kind of backfired on them. I wonder about that. And I don't, you know, I don't know if there's been any studies done about that, or if you want to weigh in, you can. Let's go to Sahid. Uh, Sahid, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, you're on the air. All righty. So, uh, yeah, this is a great conversation you guys are having. So, uh, I'm also pretty hopeful. After uh, COVID happened, um, I noticed a lot of people kind of like woke up to like this anti-life kind of like spirit. Right. It's the best way I can kind of like dis- uh, describe it. Hmm. Because uh, it just popped up out of nowhere with, like, people we know and love uh, and uh, just in general all around, like, uh, all over the world, kind of. We saw all over the world the same kind of, like, uh, instinct popped up in half the people and the other half not so, like, in the exact opposite kind of way. Uh, and uh, there was a question there, but I kind of... Well, like, before uh, you do that, do you feel like it's half and half? I mean, you're saying roughly half. Do you think it's that kind of a breakdown? Uh, something like that, actually. Hmm. I'm like, uh, I try to be like a little bit more open-minded, uh, than what I see from like, uh, what you guys are mentioning with, uh, the anti, you know, usually it's like black and white. And, uh, but I see like a, a lot of shades of gray, like a lot of people who see it, but also don't, uh, they kind of still go with the flow because they want to go party and hang out and stuff like that, you know? Right, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I agree. I didn't try to make it sound so black and white. No, I'm just I, saying. I think we were. No, no, not you guys. Oh, okay. We're surrounded by those people here in New Hampshire. I mean, I was so so shocked at how many how many people were just going along to get get along. Just oh well, you know I I don't believe in this, but I'll still put a mask on to go to the store because I don't want to have someone say something to me. They were doing it because they were afraid of what their neighbors thought or confrontation at all. Yeah, or they were afraid of confrontation, and so really we don't even know. You can't you couldn't tell. By going to the the grocery store, looking around, if you're surrounded by 80 to 90% of the store that's all wearing a mask, it still didn't really tell you how many people believed in it and how many people were just doing it to stay below the radar. But you know that it was a lot more people were just doing it to stay below the radar because the day that Keene stopped uh, making it mandatory, it's like, I worked in a convenience store at the time, it went from like... 99% 99% compliance to, like, 1% compliance. That means all the people who were just like, oh, I don't have to wear it anymore, just took it off. Sahid, hang I mean, on, man. I know you got more to happy. say. Just stand by. We're going to bring you back here, all right? More, more with Sahid here in moments, and your calls and thoughts are welcome. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. 
It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Bonnie here in the studio tonight. Of course, you can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features we have there. Our social media platform, social.freetalklive.com is running Mastodon, which is an open-source, self-hosted alternative that uh, is an alternative to Twitter. basically does everything Twitter does, but it does it without having the the big megatech corporation involved. And you can uh, go over to ours at social.freetalklive.com. We are probably going to have some downtime this week. It was supposed to happen tonight, but it's been put off till tomorrow night. So tomorrow, I think at 11 o'clock Eastern, there may be some downtime for both the Matrix server and for our social media server, there's going to be a major upgrade for apparently Mastodon. They're going to version 4. I have no idea what that entails, but somebody was asking me about it today, and the answer is yes, we are going to be going to version 4. So maybe what that is means that? Mastodon uh, version 4. I have no idea, Bonnie. I, I was just told that it exists, and it's a thing that we're going to do. So okay. it probably means there's going to be some new features uh, new, you know, new graphics or layout or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But somebody had asked me if we were going to do it. And yes, the answer is we are at some point, probably tomorrow night. So just be aware there might be some downtime at social.freetalklive.com starting tomorrow night. We go to Saheed uh, on the line in Maryland. Saheed, so what were you uh, wanting to share with us tonight? Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I was just uh, wanted to chime in on that conversation. Uh, so I was curious what you guys thought about uh, how the Shire Free Church kind of like... Uh, can go kind of like uh, the opposite end of that. Cause I do see it as like, kind of like a little, like a negative spirit going on. And I think it has to do uh, a little bit with, uh, it's that idea of uh, liberty versus uh, being afraid of dying. Uh, you know, which one would you uh, end up choosing? Um, and the, and the, that was the conversation I ended up having a, a lot with folks um, during the whole COVID times. And uh, I was glad, I was happy to hear some of the, uh, that it was made into a, cop- a topic, you know? Uh, at the time and so uh, yeah I was just uh, curious what you guys thought about that And uh, uh, I'm not real clear on what the question is I, I apologize can you rephrase it uh, yeah do you guys see the, uh, like spirituality as a, a part of this uh, the kind of uh, COVID because uh, like uh, just juxtaposing the killing of animals this whole idea of like anything to kind of survive force people to go ahead and vaccinate versus uh, the liberty kind of uh, side which doesn't really technically have a spiritual uh, aspect but it could uh, cool. so I was wondering if you guys had a, like, uh, a, a view on that. Okay. I like the way that you phrased it at, at the beginning of your call before the break was you said that there was a, like a spirit of anti-life was coming out because that's really what it was. Mm. People were told not to hang out with their grandmas. Oh, you could kill them. What's more important? My grandma in Alabama told me and uh, my aunt, because her, my aunt has kids, which are her grandkids, I would rather uh, die than not see my grandkids again. For several more years, because my aunt was considering not letting them come back over for a while because they caught COVID. And oh, my God, it was a bad cold. And if uh, my grandma caught it, she might die. And she's like in her, I don't know, late 70s. But she was like, I would rather die than not see my grandkids for the next several years. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people who uh, elderly folks who rightfully felt that way. Like this is I didn't get to this age just so I could sit in a you know my own house and never see anyone ever again. I mean, I could they could die while they're home alone, never having seen anyone else. And of course, this was happening to people who were in nursing homes 
who were dying during COVID, not because of COVID, but just because it was their time to die, except they hadn't been able to say goodbye to their family members. Or how about the people who went to the hospitals and they weren't even allowed to come into you know, uh, the hospital rooms with their loved ones. They were forced to stay outside of the, the hospital. I mean, Literally, there are people, people that dying. missed their kids' births because of this. So, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a spiritual bereavement or a, a lack of spirituality. Uh, I think spirituality is an interesting question, Sahid, to look at COVID from the absence of spirituality because it it was disconnecting people not only from other people, but also from what was important to themselves. I mean, I think it definitely took people away from any kind of spiritual connection because you do have to be around people, I think, to to have the best connection with things. Yeah, and uh, it kind of woke a lot of people up at the same time. For example, there's a lot of uh, rules and regulations that made absolutely no sense. It just seemed like it wanted to go ahead and hurt as much uh, as the connection that we had. Uh, and for example, like uh, ch- churches not being open versus uh, gardening sections yeah. being closed off, but uh, other sections uh, not. I'm Gyms that, uh, being closed. Definitely see a spiritual side to it. But, yeah, uh, great point. And we did I, talk about like the people, uh, uh, we did talk about the churches. Um, I know that from your previous calls, you are a uh, Muslim. Uh, I didn't see a lot in the news about um, about any kind of mosques that were open versus closed did you hear anything about that because certainly christian churches were a mixed bag most of them were obedient and doing what uh master told them to do but there were a a, a spattering here and there of some that uh were rejecting the mandates and were continuing to hold their worship services including some pastors who were actually getting arrested uh for doing so was there anything uh was there any news within the islamic uh, world about that similar things happening uh, it's pretty much the same thing. It's a mixed bag. Uh, a lot of people in authority were, uh, you know, ODing, you know, just being uh, over the top. And then there's uh, a lot of the community itself. And, you know, we, we held that uh, religion is definitely more important than, uh, you know, uh, being afraid of death. Because that's like a core tenet inside of Islam is like not being afraid of death. Uh, your time is written at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so that became like a, a strong topic. Uh, I went down to D.C. at, at a certain point uh, for the... Um, the rally with uh, El Big Tree. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget what it was called. Uh, and the mandates. And uh, there's a strong religious presence there. And uh, I, what I really liked about it was I saw that the nation of Islam actually uh, took a strong stance uh, against uh, vaccine mandates um, okay. during the time. And so that was a whole thing that I completely missed. Uh, but yeah, within the um, you know regular Muslim community with the mosque is the uh, same kind of deal as you'd find with the churches. And so they'll be shut down. And then there's people who, uh, then there's times when they just, where people are just like, we don't care. Yeah, and I think uh, that was really one of the benefits of this was you could really kind of shake out who was serious about their beliefs and who wasn't. Uh, And Saheed, thank you for the call tonight. I'm getting weird noises from your phone on occasion, by the way. I don't know what's going on over there, but I do appreciate hearing from you tonight. Uh, But yeah, you you really get to find out who was taking their religious beliefs seriously. Like, there's all kinds of purported religious leaders out there who would love to have you at their church and giving 10% of your, uh, your income to their church. But how many of them really worship God over the government? The government. Yeah, that is an important question. And this really sussed that out. You got to find out who was serious about their beliefs, who was willing to actually put their beliefs and their freedom on the line. And it wasn't very many of them. There were a lot of obedient preachers out there who just shut down their churches, went online only, 
did not allow any congregation to congregate. Even just requiring masks, it's like, that's so awful. I mean, I, I mean, talking about like Islam, Christians have been, you know, against, you know, ha- having to, you know, cover your face to go into places of worship. They, they'll always say that like, that's not a good thing. Women shouldn't have to cover themselves up, mm-hmm. but they were covering their faces to go into see, you know, into the sanctuary to go worship God. I don't see how that makes any sense. It just pointed out their hypocrisy. Put it put it right out there for everybody to see. And so, you know, if you're a, if you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim or whatever, and you were going to a church or a mosque that had one of these purported religious leaders who was obeying the government in these circumstances, and you're still going there three years later, you need to change. You know, if you really take yourself seriously and your religious beliefs seriously, you need to change it up and you need to find some uh, religious people who you can agree with, who aren't going to just sell you down the river and do whatever it is that the state demands that they do. And luckily, if you look for it, you're, you'll probably be able to find it. Even in Keene, there was that one church you went to that was... Uh, Hope Chapel yeah. uh, was uh, where Aria and I actually went during uh, during the COVID ridiculousness that was going on. And they actually held... Now, they did hold an outdoor um, meeting. So they were still trying to... I think their intention there was they were trying to welcome people in who were still afraid, right? Like, they didn't want to be... I thought it was a uh, sunrise service. No, I think it was just like whatever the regular service time was, 9, 10 a.m. Or, or something like that. So oh. no, it wasn't a... It wasn't... Um, the sun was coming up. Oh. But, uh, but you know, normally they, they have church indoors. So they did hold an outdoor service. Um, and the, I didn't feel like that was pandering or anything like that because the message of the sermon was very principled, very pro-liberty. And the reason why, and I did actually talk to the pastor about it, and the reason why they were having the outdoor service was because there were, you know, there's still some people who are scared, right? Like, uh, you don't want to necessarily push those people away, right? You want them to hear your message and not be completely afraid. So they kind of did this middle ground thing where people were, you know, were gathering outside, there was plenty of handshaking and hugging, and so all the things that, you know, weren't supposed to do uh, was was being done. And instead of being stuck in the church uh, that you've always gone to and wanting to uh, just being like, oh, well, we have to wear masks now, it's, it's nice to uh, find the people that deserve to be supported and uh, the type of people that are basically like your family. Your tribe. Your, yeah. yeah. And just you know, change it up. I'm sure lots of people had to do that during COVID, which is another good thing. Well, I, that's my question is how many of people actually did? How, how many people, because, you know, church is a social event for a lot of people. It's, it's an excuse to go and be around people who purportedly are of a like mindset or have supposedly similar beliefs and to commune with those people on a weekly basis and purportedly have friends at these uh, these these churches and then all of a sudden they go down this road of being totally obedient to the government and showing their true colors and, and, what and you know really being really believe. mean to the people who disagreed with what the government said like yeah some even, people were this isn't a church but even in the facebook page for the town i lived in during uh the very beginning of covid uh well i guess i was in san antonio but anyways the town that i'm basically from in texas Cibolo, mm-hmm. it turned into everybody on there was 
taking pictures of people not wearing masks and being like, this person didn't wear a mask into Walmart. This is their name. Shaming them. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like, wow, I I can't even believe that these are the people I've lived around. You know? Right. And that's that's part of the, the reason why so many people were putting on masks when they were against wearing masks because they didn't want to be shamed. They didn't want to be outed for being, you know, against the community and all this other yeah all this right uh all this other uh, propaganda that was going on but how many people were at a church where they've been going for years and they've generated relationships with these people and then you watch them all go insane over all this covid nonsense they go against their own religious beliefs and start shutting down services and they're not getting together. If they are, then they're mask mandates, they're outdoors, no touching, you know, all this, everything just completely changed. How many of them were willing to, to uh, essentially eschew their friendships, you know, just jettison their, their friendships that, they, that they've had with these people and then go find another church? I bet you it wasn't that many of them because, again, these are social relationships that people have and that's i don't know that's just a guess though like when i was a kid my parents often switched churches if there was something really unprincipled coming out of the pastor's mouth or sometimes there was even like mutinies not really mutinies but like a a huge group would be like we're gonna start having uh uh meetings at our house because we just can't you know i don't know what those things are yeah schism yeah i think that's standard for religion is when a religion has a disagreement about something, they split. So I'm just saying, I'm sure that was happening during COVID over the COVID stuff. I hope so, because it was a perfect opportunity to really see where somebody stood, whether it be people in your own family or people in your church or people at your business or whatever. It really, that was the benefit of, of COVID was you really got to, to see what people actually believed. The people who, even within the liberty movement, we got to see it. Unfortunately, there were a, a surprising number of people who lost their minds. They had previously seemed to be principal libertarians, and then they completely bought what these so-called scientists were saying. And they did not uh, prioritize liberty over everything else. They became obedient. They became frightened. And, uh, and it was really sad you know, to see that happen. But at least you know who they are now. At least it's, it's crystal clear, and now you can choose... Uh, with whom you are going to associate. So if you want to join the show here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. Coming up, Bonnie's got another story about uh, parents freaking out about letting their kids have sleepovers. Like something that I think all of us did while we were growing up. It was just like the standard thing to do on a weekend or whenever it was. Uh, it would, you know, you wanted to hang out with your friends. You didn't want to go home at the end of the night. Stay the night. And I know I did it when uh, when I was growing up. Bonnie, did you have sleepovers when yeah. you were a kid? At my house and at other friends' houses. Now apparently there are parents who are anxious, quote unquote, about allowing their kids to go to a sleepover. We can talk about that. Your calls, of course, are welcome on whatever you want to discuss. But since we were talking about, uh, there was the medical journal. I just spotted this story in uh, on Drudge Report from the-sun.com. They say that antidepressants strip away joy for some users, according to researchers. Up to three in five taking antidepressants experience the problem caused by the drugs numbing the part of the brain which allows people to feel rewarded. Researchers split 66 people into groups, which is not a large sample size, with half receiving the antidepressant called 
escitalopram, and the other half getting a placebo. They were set a test, or then set a test with two options, one with plenty of rewards, the other with few. People on the antidepressants chose the less rewarding option more regularly than the placebo group. This suggested that they were less responsive to the treats. Hmm. Professor Barbara Sahekian of the University of Cambridge said the blunting was an unfortunate side effect. She says they take away some emotional pain, but unfortunately, they also take away some enjoyment. Her team found also those given the drug were less likely to reach orgasm. They say about 8.3 million people took antidepressants in England last year. I believe it's like, what is it, one out of six or something like that? There's a large number of people. I don't have the statistics uh, in front of me, and this was written for uh, the UK, so I don't know what, you know, I don't know how many people are in England. Uh, I definitely in total. think more than 50% of the population is on antidepressants. Really? Is that, you think so? Maybe it's just because I'm younger and it seems like everyone's on them. All right, let me see what I can find out here. So, UK population, 67.33 million. And they're saying here that it was 8.3 million uh, that took the antidepressants. So, let's see. So, 8 out of 63 or whatever, it's roughly, okay, 13%. So, So, 13%. So, that's not even, not quite one out of six, but more like... You know, one out of eight, one out of nine or something like that. Now, it may be different in the, the United States, but typically you, know, you see s- similar trends between the UK and the US. But I wonder if it's worse here, yeah. That's what I say. It, it may very well be. But, Bonnie, you were saying at the beginning of the show that this doesn't surprise you at all because you've had people who you've known on antidepressants who've said things like this. Yeah, I, I thought this was just common sense. I, in fact, I would have thought it would be like a side effect on the bottle, like warning you. If you take this, you're going to feel emotions a lot less. It's like everyone I've ever known who's taken antidepressants says like, yeah, I need it because I have a chemical imbalance. I just can't. uh, I'm just depressed all the time. And there's no way I like exercising or anything like that would help me uh, get over that. I have to take a pill. And unfortunately, that means that I just don't feel anything as much. Like every everything is blunted. That's like that's numb, numb. Mm -hmm. It's a common word. Disturbing. Uh, and according to the Centers for Disease Control in a brief released September of 2020, so this doesn't factor in any changes that might have happened uh, during COVID, during 2015 through 2018, 13.2% of adults over 18 had used antidepressant medications in the past 13 13.2%. I just don't believe those numbers. Usage was higher among women, 17.7%, than men at 8.4%. So maybe you're more likely to encounter uh, females, given that you're a lady. And so maybe it feels more common because of that. Uh, Antidepressant use increases with age overall and in both sexes. Use was highest among women aged 60 and over, where it was 24.3% of older ladies. The closer I'm getting to death, the least... Or the less I'm going to want to have no access to my feelings. That's just terrifying. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I've just, uh, thankfully, if I've known people who are on antidepressants, they don't talk about it, right? So I don't know. Like, I don't know what all my friends are taking if they're taking any kind of medications, unless they just are admitting it. So 
I, I can't say for sure how many people I know that have taken antidepressants. I do know we did have a co-host many years ago who did take them, and he did get off of uh, taking those antidepressants because it was making his life worse. Yeah, I was going to say, did he say anything about it numbing his personality? Because my ex-best friend that I used to live with in Texas... He took himself off, like, against his doctor's orders and everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not taking these. They make me feel awful. They make me feel like a robot, and they they make life awful. Because it's just like, you know, if you don't get the reward, you normally get out of, like, eating a piece of toast in the morning. It's just like, whatever. I don't even care about this toast. Sounds awful. Sounds terrible. Why would you want to live? I'd rather be depressed. He did not say that specifically, but this was 20 years ago, so I mean, I don't remember everything that he said about it, but he did say that it killed his sex drive, Hmm. being on the antidepressants. It gave him acne all on his back, so he Hmm. had backne as a result of the antidepressants. So, like, even if he did have a sex drive, he wouldn't be as attractive to to the opposite sex. And that's got to be depressing to... Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, get, you know, a bunch of pimples on your back. And have no sex drive as well. So, like, that uh, was the reason why he, he quit taking them. And I unfortunately, I, I have not, I've lost touch with him over the years. He supposedly lives in New Hampshire, but I have not heard from him nor nor seen him, unfortunately. He was one of our, our founding co-hosts uh, that, was, that was on Free Talk Live. So, if you want to share your story, maybe you've been on these antidepressants and you want to, you know, explain what it was like and... Why you got off or why you stayed on, you're welcome to call in at 603-283-6160. And you can share that story with us here. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, you can bring up absolutely anything that's on your mind. And I think it's important to bring up in any kind of discussion about mental illness and purported medical solutions to it is this idea of the placebo effect. Because... The fact is they've done studies on this that show that if you give somebody like a red pill that has sugar in it, so placebo, and you tell them that it's going to solve their depression, then in a lot of cases it solves their depression. So what does that tell you? Well, to me, what that tells me is that depression is in your head. As in your mind. Yeah, it is something that you can correct. And it is not a chemical imbalance, which is what they all love to say. And I think the most disgusting part about the industry that profits over or off of people getting on these drugs is the fact that if a doctor in a coat tells somebody who's, you know, weak enough mentally, you have depression. Right. You need this. That's what they'll believe. And that's what their body will respond to. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what you, I mean, your brain is the captain and your cells just go yep yep okay that's what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and if you believe you need this pill or else you can't be happy and there's nothing else that can help you then that's just what you're gonna believe and i think it's disgusting that doctors don't discuss diet exercise uh you know hmm maybe all your friends really suck and you need to make new friends maybe you need to Mm. go out and make a new hobby maybe you should get a dog anything like that before just giving people pills yeah that's a great point and and it really touches on the power of belief and doctors aren't going to tell you about that either you know most of them and that's why you probably should find a doctor that would be willing to um but the, the and that is what is being expressed in these studies about the um the placebo effect it's the power of belief Every time, not just in the case of, uh, you know, depression or whatever, but in the case of all studies about placebos, 
because it's what the person believes is true that becomes true for them in that case, meaning that they think they're taking a powerful medicine. And so their body responds as though they're taking a powerful medicine. And then there's also, I mean, the medicine is one way to do it, but there's also people that just get told like, like hypnotized and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to hypnotize you and then you're going to be better. Then it works. Or or they do a meditation themselves. because they believe in the hypnotization. Yeah. So it really is all about what they believe. Uh, If you want to comment, though, you're welcome to join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And if you want to learn more about that, you should read You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's just case after case after case. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, we uh, we listened to the audio book of that. It was really, really great. Uh, More coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here at the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And it's Bonnie. And you can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there. And you can do that for free. Also, coming up this uh, end of spring... Right at the very end of spring, last week of spring, the last uh, one of the last weekends, June 15th through the 18th, you can join some of Free Talk Live, hopefully all of Free Talk Live at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting on some sentencing from the federal courts before we'll know whether or not Aria and I get to attend, but we're intending to attend and uh, hoping that you'll be there as well for ForkFest 2023. All you got to do to attend this decentralized libertarian camping event is reserve your camping site, your RV site, or your motel room, whatever your preference, with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. It's just before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the biggest libertarian camping uh, festival out there on the planet. And that happens the week after. That one starts on the 19th. So if you've got the full 10 or 11 days to stay up here, you really ought to. It's definitely worth the time. It's worth the money. Uh, if you want to hang around with uh, freedom-loving people for more than a week, start the experience, though, with the decentralized alternative of ForkFest. You can go to ForkFest.Party, learn more about the event there. That is ForkFest.Party. Let's go to the phones here, and then we'll talk about these parents who are anxious about having sleepovers, uh, having their kids having sleepovers. Sarah, though, is on the line in New Mexico. Go ahead, Sarah. Okay, so you 2022 last year. We killed, I think— 476 people in auto-related on our roads. Why are you killing those people? Sarah, I can't believe you. Well, I'm not, I mean, our state as a whole, our state, that's all the people that got killed with auto-related. No, 467. I got it, the numbers reversed. Okay. That seems low, honestly. I don't know. Yeah, but that's just everybody crossing the street, speeding and mm-hmm. wrecking, just everybody drink. I don't know what the, or drunk driving, but that's pretty high. That was higher than like three years ago. Okay. So, so that's why I'm an advocate. For so what you're saying, hold on, cameras. what you're saying is, Sarah, all of your advocacy has failed because people are getting into more traffic accidents. There are more traffic fatalities now than there were in previous years. So I think it was it was actually less than last year, but three years ago it was a lot lower back then. I 
Um, well, I'm just saying that my efforts are going to pay off because we will be putting speeding cameras on state highways, US, U.S. highways, and city highways. We just started to put the cameras back up. The cameras the are just going to catch like, people speeding after the fact. It's not like the cameras are going to stop anyone from hitting anyone. Well, the thing is that it's a, it's a change of behavior. If you start getting a ticket, the next time you won't speed anymore. It's a, it's a preventative. It, do you think we you should also have cameras in people's homes? I mean, because there's a lot of domestic abuse that goes on. It's a preventative. Right. Well, I mean, that's a personal space, but, I mean, on the freeway, everybody's clothed. They're not naked in their pajamas and their underwears. I mean, you could do that at home. I, I, I don't think it's appropriate. Okay, so what you're saying is cameras. it's okay for abusers to be abusing people in their homes? No. Uh, the speeding causes accidents on federal highways, and uh, they they speed even more there, and technically we're not allowed But how to are we going to catch the, uh, the abusers? I mean, don't you care about people being beaten by their partners? Right, but it's a, it's a personal, I mean, it's a private place where people could, could be naked if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm against putting cameras in bathrooms and dressing rooms and hotel rooms okay. because, I mean, you could you could be running around naked or underwear or something that you're entitled to do that. But as a public road, Right. So just goes, because someone can be naked thing. means that Sarah thinks that they should not that they should be able to be beaten by their uh, their husband or their their wife. Well, I mean, I mean, you know what? But the speeding, they should be allowed to put speeding cameras on the on the highways, I-25, mm-hmm. I-40. We're not allowed to, but they speed at 90 to 100 miles per hour and they when they wreck, they got 10 car piles up. And I have no idea why we're not allowed to put cameras on the federal highways. I th- I just think that people should have the same expectation of privacy. Uh, the, the people have the same right to not be filmed inside their homes uh, in their underwear, running around in their underwear, like Sarah said. Mm-hmm. And I think that they should have the same right to not be investigated while just driving from their house to work every day. Yep, that's a good point, Bonnie. And yeah, I just want to make it clear that I wasn't actually advocating for for that. I was just... Uh, trying to see if Sarah, you know, wanted to violate people's home privacy as much as she does when they're out and about, and she doesn't. Yeah, no, so I'll I, give you credit no, for that, Sarah. You public, don't. No, I don't. Because okay. massage parlors, why would they be having a? a, a I mean, you're topless or whatever. They they massage you, rub you down with oil. Why should anybody have a camera there? Even though one of the have you ever thought about getting a job murder. at a massage parlor? I hear they make good money. Well, a lot of them are uh, human trafficked uh, sex slaves that they are they though in Albuquerque. Yes, they were. They they founded up a whole bunch of them. Um, what happens that? How do you know they, they weren't were just pretty, there because they wanted to be? Well, a lot of them were, and then a lot of them a lot of them got robbed, and one of them got shot here because she uh, there was a guy that walked in for a massage, and he shot her and robbed her, and he. Whoa. They had the video of dragging her across the room um, uh, on the hallway, but they finally cut the guy and he got shot and he, he died. That's but crazy. They finally cut the guy. But, Sarah, thanks for but, calling and sharing the story tonight. So we continue here. Neil is in Arizona. Neil, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, all those people that are getting in wrecks in uh, New Mexico. Did they happen to be listening to Sarah on Free Talk Live at the time and just drive into a tree? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Driving into the yeah, street. Really. Hey, uh, before the last break, you were talking about people on antidepressants. Yes, sir. 
and and uh, and that they were having a prob- sexual dysfunction and having problems reaching orgasm. Yeah. And then you said so, so something that made me pass a whole mouthful of beer through my nose. Oh God, sorry. And, and you're like, you call in and let us know why you stay, why you got out or stayed in. And I'm thinking they probably stayed in. Why you? What you said was why you got off. You meant the drugs. Yeah. So why you got off and you stayed in. I'm thinking they probably stayed in because they hadn't got off yet. And I just uh-huh. in my nose. get your mind out of the gutter, Neil. That's funny though. I get the joke. What can I say? I'm a typical man. <laughs> but do you have any experience with uh, with antidepressants or anyone you know? Uh, no, not okay. at all. Okay. Well, I guess they say alcohol. No, that's a depressant. It is. So, uh, yeah. No, not really. Okay. All right, man. Anything but, uh, else you want? Anything else you want to share, or is it just a dirty joke for tonight? No, that that about covers All it, right. guys. Thanks for the call, Neil. I appreciate hearing from you. Oh, uh, you know, alcohol is something that people use basically to numb their feelings too and zone out, yeah. zonk out for the rest of the night, so they don't have to think about how they feel. Speaking of people with uh, extreme feelings, Bonnie, you had a story tonight that you wanted to share with our uh, listeners about sleepovers, meaning that parents. These days, apparently, and I'm guessing the parents would be millennials in this case, because millennials are getting old enough to be, you know, they're definitely old enough to be parents. Yeah. Uh, you're a young, you are on the borderline between Gen Z I'm supposedly, and 1996, supposedly the last year of millennials, and I reject that. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people would see that as borderline. Uh, I am also borderline between uh, Gen X and and m- millennial no and uh and i prefer to be seen as gen x over over millennial but you know yeah, maybe whatever. that's both of us what it is because it's not that i don't want people to know i was born in 1996 mm-hmm. like oh i'm too old or something it's that i don't like the, how the millennials are described and so many of them accept what they're described like and i just don't accept that i i don't really feel like i completely fit in with gen z either i think that yeah. like 1996 to two, 1999 needs its own little mini thing. I think they call like, it Xennials, don't they? I, I could accept that. I think that's what they say. But anyway, uh, these parents these days apparently are anxious because we always we always hear about how young people are depressed and or anxious. And there's just so many young people that describe themselves as having anxiety and having depression. And so apparently now they're having anxiety about letting their kids simply go over to their friend's house for the night to have a sleepover. Yep, this is from the Washington Post. So sleepovers have gotten very complicated. What a I don't once, believe it. What a once simple right of childhood reveals about the divisions among us. <laughs> the boys had been hanging out all Saturday afternoon, and Cecily Thrasher was planning to pick up her 12-year-old son from his friend's house at 7 p.m. But as evening approached, the kids decided they wanted a sleepover. The friend's father texted Thrasher to say it was fine with him if her son wanted to spend the night. Okay. When the message appeared on her phone, she felt a surge of dread. Okay, I'm sure she's going to explain why that is here, but it would seem to me like one of the benefits, and I presume without being a parent, right? Like, I'm not a parent. Bonnie, you're not a parent either. But without being a parent, it would seem like one of the clear benefits of the sleepover policy or the sleepover thing 
is parents are using one another as a, a reason to get out from having the kid for the night, right? So, like, you get to be with your husband or your wife alone in the house, and you don't have the kid demanding whatever the hell dessert or candy or television or whatever it is that they're demanding. And, and he's a 12-year-old, so, I mean, it's not like he's just, like, running around making messes, most likely, but... Yeah, maybe he'd just be playing video games or sitting on his phone or whatever. I don't know. But you still, they're out of your hair. You get them out of your hair for a night, and you don't have to worry about it. They're under the care of somebody who you you obviously trust the parents enough to let them observe your kid during the daytime. They're over at your friend, the kid's friend's house already. So what's the what is she so worried about when it comes to being there for you know another twelve hours during the night? She says, "I hate being a party pooper." I want my son to have deep, meaningful relationships or friendships, she said. But I also knew that I would be setting a precedent if I allowed it to happen. I wasn't ready. So she's never done this before. I wasn't ready for that decision on such short notice. So wow. it's all about her. Wow. She's her son's 12 years old. Right. And she's never allowed him to have a sleepover or be on a sleepover. And the thing is, like growing up, I knew lots of people who their parents absolutely it was out of the question. They just didn't allow sleepovers. Until really? a certain age. I knew lots of kids like that. Like, you would just know, like, oh, she can't spend the night because her parents don't allow sleepovers. Wow. I have no memory of that. But... Of anything like that. I I could see why some parents would be like, nope, you gotta spend the night with us. You gotta be ready for school the next day. You gotta blah, blah, blah. But I I just feel like my, my parents would always be like... Because we ask for sleepovers, like, constantly. Either, mm-hmm. hey, can they spend the night here or can I go there? And... It would be like most of the time we could. If it was like a school night, probably couldn't yeah, at all. I don't think we would even ask on a school night. And that then wasn't um, even an option. And sometimes they would just be like, you've been gone all weekend. Why don't you stay home with us and watch a movie with us or something? You know, mm-hmm. something like that. But it wouldn't be the things that this woman is worried yeah. about. So let's let's continue. She immediately started Googling, <laughs> are sleepovers good or bad for kids? And... <laughs> Child development plus sleepovers and risks and benefits of sleepovers. All right. I want to hear what she learned in a moment here, but I also want to go to the calls here. We got somebody on the line here. What is your name, caller? You're on Free Talk Live. Dennis. Dennis, you're on the air. Go ahead. Um, I just, I haven't listened to you guys in quite a minute, but I were with you guys back in like 2006 when you made the move to New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Everything seems so great and everything. I have like a two-part question. Number one is, like I said, I've been out of the loop for a minute. Are you guys, are, do you still talk to Mark Edge? Is Mark Edge still part of the show? Or Yeah, he may be on tomorrow night. Uh, Mark has been doing a lot of traveling in the last several years, probably more like seven years. Uh, at this time, he's been trying to find a place for for him and for other freedom-minded people to migrate to that's outside of the United States. And he's uh, got some property in a uh, Honduran island that he's been oh, wow. trying to renovate uh, to uh, to make that possible for for some people. So he's really been on this sort of different journey uh, recently, and so he hasn't been on the air a whole lot. But uh, but he's trying to come on on at least a once a week basis. Wow, that's that's so cool. Um, and the second part is, um, like I said, I was with you guys from 2006 onwards. Do you think the Free State Project was a success, or do you think it's been a failure? Oh, a tremendous, tremendous success. I mean, there's thousands of freedom-oriented people who have moved here, and there are more moving in every single month across New Hampshire. There's no other community 
of freedom-loving liberty people like this one. It just There's nothing else like this anywhere on the planet. We're seeing tremendous political successes where free staters are being elected to state rep seats. We've probably got as many as 50 of the 400 seats now in the New Hampshire State House are now held by actual free staters. And there's probably another 50-plus seats that are people that are real friendly to us. So they would rank pretty highly with the the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that gives uh, individual ratings to each of the state reps every single year based on their voting record. I think just the amount of people that have lived, you know, their lives more free because of the Free State Project and, uh, you know, their communities, I'd have to say it's a success. Like, people move away from California, come to New Hampshire, and they have friends, all of, none of which judge them for how they think. And they get to, you know, wear a gun to the state house. Or, you know, wear a gun wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Things like that because we have constitutional carry here now. So there's an instant increase in freedom for a lot of the people that just, just move here based on the comparison between the states. So, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why New Hampshire was chosen because it is a more free place. But I think the free staters here have helped make it freer over yeah. time. And uh, and the libertarians here are such a political force, not the libertarian party, but the libertarians, those who are willing to run as uh, Republicans and or Democrats and sort of infiltrate the, the major two parties. They've had tremendous successes, especially taking sort of, quote unquote, taking over, if you will, or infiltrating the Republican Party. Uh, it's been amazing. We, we have an actual free stater who is the House majority leader, and he has been for the last couple of years. Uh, free staters are heading up the House committees in a lot of cases that are hearing various different bills and, and legislation. And and again, the community. So you've got the, the political success stories and then you've got the community where there's market days that happen every single month in, in various different areas of the state where people come together and they offer whatever product or service that they have, whether it be, you know, homemade tea or uh, beef a chicken, you know, that is being made on local farms to somebody who knows how to give massages or whatever. And they're, you know, they're accepting uh, alternative currencies like gold backs and cryptocurrency for their products and services. I mean, there's just nothing like it anywhere else. It's abso- absolutely been a success, but we still need thousands more people to move here. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, um, it's really good talking to you. I was really dismayed to hear about what happened to you and your fellow Crypto6 Um Boy, it really shows the state of which they are as a bunch of thugs. Um, I do plan on writing to the judge and letting them know how you've changed my life. You've changed my life in the last 15 years, um, I would say for the better. And I think you have a lot to give. And um, I wish you nothing but the best, Ian. And um, I'll have my fingers crossed for you, man, come April. Thank you, Dennis. It's very kind. I appreciate uh, you reaching out here tonight. And, and don't forget all the details to regarding the judge letters you can find over at letters.freetalklive.com. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. So, uh, Bonnie, you were telling us about this woman, Ms. Thrasher, who is really upset or frustrated, anxious, I guess was the word that she used, regarding her son, who's 12 years old, wants to spend the night with the very same friends that he's spending the day with. So why is that a problem? She started Googling, she says, as she needed to do research to see what does the internet think? Does the internet think uh, sleepovers are good or are sleepovers bad? Well, yeah. I bet you the internet thinks both things. Yeah, right. 
It says she listened to child psychologists on TikTok, scrolled through blog posts, God. and searched newspaper articles. Talk she, about overthinking this thing. She politely declined the sleepover invitation oh my and God. kept scouring the internet. Mostly, she says, I was just trying to find a way to feel good about my decision. Oh, okay. So she had already made the decision. Sounds and like then it. she wanted to get reinforced by other people on the internet who uh, also don't believe in sleepovers. Meanwhile, her 12-year-old son is probably embarrassed as hell that his mm. mom is so lame and she won't even let him hang out with his friends overnight. Yep. It says, a sense of clarity proved elusive, but she did find that she has plenty of company in feeling unsure about sleepovers. <laughs> Among parents who wow. are skeptical of this particular right of childhood, one question, can I spend the night, unleashes a slew of others. How well do we know the other parents? Are there guns in the house? <laughs> what about alcohol or drugs? What is the risk of COVID exposure? Are there older siblings around? Will the kids be watching YouTube or TikTok all night? What it- do they do during the daytime? <laughs> I mean, kids are constantly on their phones. And another uh, solution to this that is better than going on the internet is like going to meet the parents. If they're just going to be sitting there hanging out with your kids all day, they probably wouldn't mind you coming up, coming over and talking for like an hour. How is it that... Uh, okay, so like, again, not that I know a whole lot about parenting. I don't, but I was a kid at one time. My parents met the parents. My parents met my friend's parents. They wouldn't... I don't think they would want me to go hang out at somebody's house without knowing who the parents were. So right. like, does she not know who this father is who had said he was fine with the kids spending the night? Does she have no idea where her son is spending his afternoon? And again, if she's concerned about what they're going to watch or what they're going to get into, like, can they not get to the family's guns during the middle of the day as well? Why is being there at nighttime so much more dangerous than during the day? I don't know. She has more questions. She says, is it a girls only or boys only gathering? And what about kids who don't adhere to binary concepts of gender or sexuality? (laughs) I never even considered that. Like, do those kids uh, get the same, uh, get to hang out with their parents as much? Are there really that many kids like that at all? These days, yeah, apparently there's way more people in Gen Z and 12 is probably Generation A or whatever they're calling the next one. There's like the whatever's after Gen Z. Generation Alpha, I think is what they're calling it. Um, but the Gen Z kids are like one out of four or one out of six, somewhere in that range, are identifying as some variant of LGBTQ. So it, it is definitely more common. But again, wouldn't that be for the host parent to be deciding on? Like if Johnny's friend Susie was born a boy then do you want Susie to come over to the house? That's up to the dad uh, to determine in that case. That does make it a little more complicated. I don't know. Because it, it's not like I was ha- spending the night with other boys my no. age as a kid. And and neither was I. I certainly was not at girls' sleepovers. I had no no experience uh, with those back then. But, uh, you know, again, if you're if you're hanging out with somebody and you're spending time with that person during the daytime and it's okay then what's the problem with it being overnight? I just don't understand it. says, there are families for whom slumber parties are out of the question. In certain cultures, allowing your child to stay overnight with someone outside the family is not an accepted practice. Many Gen Z TikTok users have memed the awkward experience of turning down sleepover invitations because of wary parents. The, so the kids have memed 
their yeah, parents just talking about like oh I'm a grown up now but I remember when I was a kid mm-hmm. I couldn't go to any sleepovers because of my parents culture or whatever did you have to grow up like this uh, are you a parent who's anxious about this give us a call tell us Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And uh, here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Bonnie. And you can join us online if you appreciate the work that we're doing here at Free Talk Live. If you appreciate the message of liberty and peace and freedom that we talk about seven nights a week on broadcast radio and beyond on the internet, then... You can join our AMP program, or rather AMPS, which stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. And you can do that over at amps.freetalklive.com. Uh, we don't have any uh, paying advertisers at this point on Free Talk Live. And you know what? I'm fine if it stays that way. I would not be bothered if we never had another paying advertiser again on this show. I would love it if we could make all of the bills, you know, get them all paid through direct listener support. That's always been like an ideal for me. And we're in a position now where that's more possible than it's ever been. And it seems like lots of listeners are uh, deciding that that is worth it to them. Yep. We've seen a lot of uh, former amplifiers step up and come back. So thank you to everybody that's uh, that's come back. We're Two also- people that don't use the internet mailed checks to me. That's true. So um, nice. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. If you want to, you can call in uh, You know, during any break. and We can tell you about what the mailing address is as well if you want to help us there. So thank you for that. We definitely appreciate the support. And you get some perks. You get some benefits uh, that you can connect with other Free Talk Live supporters as well and some of the hosts. And there's a variety of different things you can learn about over at amps.freetalklive.com. So, Bonnie, you were sharing with us a story from, I think, the Washington Post about a parent or more than one, presumably, that's anxious, so-called, about their kids going over to their friend's house overnight. And uh, sleepovers, which we all grew up with. It was just sort of the, the term in these, uh, this article is a rite of passage. Um, I don't know if it's if it's a rite of passage. I mean, obviously, kids grow up without them in some, yeah, some cases. Like, but wouldn't a rite of passage mean you get to start doing that because you're finally old enough? I don't know. I feel like I was having sleepovers pretty young. Uh, yeah, I don't think you need a sleepover to, you know, like be a well-adjusted person necessarily. But I do feel like, you know, the, but it helps, the kids that you had that kind of a relationship with became like your best friends. Like you yeah. can have friends at school, right. but you're not going to be as good friends with them as the ones that actually like your parents know each other and you're allowed to hang out outside of school. And That's a fact. It's definitely a more spend of all a night talking bonding experience for I mean, those people. Some of my favorite like memories in my life are just staying up talking about like silly things with yep. my friends my age. Like, some of those people are still my friends to this day. I think it's sad. I mean, it really is a uh, statement here. The fact that these parents aren't allowing their, their kids to go over and have a sleepover. Just is... worrying about something bad happening. When yeah. most likely all they're going to do is be like, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. My cousin said he saw a ghost. And that's what they're going to be up doing, you know? Or whatever. Playing video games. or, or... But the fact that they're together, I think, is, is what should be in- encouraged here. It's like... The kids these days are so disconnected from society. They're disconnected from each other. I mean, we've seen the studies that show 
that teenagers these days are not going out and hanging out in person anymore like they used to, like they did in the 80s or the 90s or maybe even the aughts. Uh, They're not. They're staying home. They're staying on their devices and they're staying separated. And it's so weird coming from the general public when all of those type of people always say, oh, I couldn't homeschool because I want my kids to be socialized. But then they won't let them go over to uh, to their friend's house. Yeah. All right. So what else uh, is in the story that you wanted to share? It says millions of parents post under the viral hashtag, hashtag no sleepovers. <laughs> they flock to parenting influencers and oh, psychiatrists God. on TikTok who expound on various sleepover risks. Like what? Like having fun? <laughs> they haven't gotten into it yet. So Get, getting to do something you don't get to do at home? Is that what it is? Because it's true, right? Like that is a true aspect of like a sleepover is like if you're if your parents are Nazis about no sweet sh- uh, sugary cereals, you might get a sugary cereal, <laughs> you know, while you're over at your friend's house or maybe you'll see a nudie magazine or right like something's going to happen at somebody's friend's house that they're not going to be able to do at home. And you know what? It's not the end of the world if they get to do that stuff. Says, and there are parents who are still on the fence, sharing their uncertainty in online groups, wanting to know how different families approached the issue. Some compromise by picking up their children from a slumber party at 10 p.m. or midnight, often called a half over, sleep (laughs) under, or late over. Others allow sleepovers only with a small circle of close, trusted friends. For Thrasher, 45, who lives with her husband and their three sons in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. The first thing that came to mind was that she didn't know the hosting family well. She also feels protective of her multiracial boys, who are often the only kids of color in their f- group of friends. I wonder so, why that would be in Portland, Oregon. And again, I mean, aren't you protecting them from the experience of them being able to be known and appreciated by hmm. their peers? Like, aren't you protecting them from having experience with being with other human beings for an extended period of time? I mean, she's protecting these kids to death. Right. It says for Heather, a mom of two teens in Massachusetts who asked that her full name not be used to protect her family's privacy, the pervasiveness of alcohol gives her pause. I mean, like, it's just like if you're if kids are going to steal alcohol mm-hmm. and drink it, they could basically do that anywhere. Sure. I, I don't see why. Like, you do in the middle of the day. Unless you are afraid that the parents are going to give your kid alcohol. In, the, in that case, you just need to get to know your kid's the parents. friend's parents yeah. better before you let them sleep over. Which, I, I, like we already discussed, I remember my parents who were not Nazis about sleepovers mm-hmm. always being like, we need to know the parents, yeah. we need, you know, before. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, go to their house. Take a look around. See if there's a huge ass liquor cabinet sitting there. And then talk to the parents about any concerns that you might have about that. Um, I will say this, like, that never happened. In the entire time I had sleepovers and or went to sleepovers, well, first of all, my parents didn't have alcohol in the house. They weren't drinkers at all. I mean, my mom might have like a sip of wine twice a year or something like that. So there was basically no alcohol in my parents' house. But I do not know whether there was alcohol in my friends' parents' houses. We never got into that. That was never something. I mean, I don't think I was doing sleepovers when I was a teenager by that point. I'm pretty sure I had grown out of it. Uh, by that point, I don't remember when the cutoff date was, but at some point that just wasn't something that I did anymore. 
And uh, by that time, so by the time I was interested in alcohol, which would have been 16, 17, you know, 18, I'm pretty sure I was beyond my, my sleepover phase. But maybe the argument would be that, well, now kids know more about alcohol and they're more interested in alcohol than, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Yeah, I don't know. But look, I mean, are you raising your kids right? Because if you're raising your kids to where they are prohibited from alcohol, then guess what they're going to do? They're going to be interested in it. They're going to be interested in trying the thing they're not allowed to try. Hmm. Here's what she says. She says, I could see what other parents were posting on social media themselves. Mm -hmm. And it made me wary. Photos of hard liquor, glamorizing a culture of drinking. Okay. So. But yeah, maybe you don't want your kid going over there. I get that. But does a parent drinking alcohol, you know, sometimes necessarily mean your kid's going to get it from them? I don't know. Uh, Well, I mean, not necessarily, but it certainly does suggest a certain uh, acceptance of that over at that particular household. She did say she has teenagers. She said she has teenagers? a, A mother of two teens. Yeah. I mean, it does suggest that that alcohol is acceptable at that household. Whether or not they allow their children to to have it, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's um, not like a, the most um, ridiculous decision. Out to of keep all your of kids these away from reasons, it's not the most ridiculous one. But but wait, just to clarify, just she are we talking about Miss Thrasher in this case? Still? No, it's Heather from Massachusetts now, okay. mom of two teens in Massachusetts. Right. Okay. Well, the only thing I have to say about that is like when I was a kid. Our friends up the street, My one of my best friends, her parents always had lots of alcohol. They were German, mm-hmm. and they just had a lot of alcohol. And uh, the one time that she got into it, I wasn't with her. Like, she was by herself. She posted a picture of herself with a uh, liquor on like her MySpace, thinking her parents wouldn't see it. <laughs> they made her post a picture of herself with a piece of paper that wrote, "I that was my parents' alcohol. I'm a loser for doing that. Ooh, or, you know, I'm, I'm like being such a uh, poser for posting that picture. I don't, I didn't drink any of the alcohol and now I'm grounded for a month or Wait, whatever. Did she really not drink it? She just posted the photo? I think that she just posted the photo. Who knows if she drank <laughs> it? But I just remember like, dang, that they were real serious about that. They, wow. Just because they had alcohol didn't mean they were just like lax about their kids drinking alcohol mm. or whatever. You know. All right, I take it back. I I do recall actually staying the night at somebody's house when I was a, when I was an older teenager, and I did get really wasted <laughs> on some alcohol on my seventeenth birthday. In that case, and the cops got called. And oh yeah, I was wondering about that story. Called. I was like, was that at a sleepover? Or yeah, how did you end been, up out? I, it was technically a sleepover, although we obviously was weren't it sleeping. We the were kids up quite late. Parents' alcohol. Yeah, yeah, Dang. it was definitely his parents' alcohol, but they weren't there. They were gone for the the weekend or whatever. So it was one of those one of those situations. Stealing. Well, I mean, I didn't steal the uh, the <laughs> alcohol, but uh, I certainly drank the alcohol I was given, and that's again, that's more of a problem with parenting, I think, than anything else. I mean, if you if you're prohibited from from drinking by parents, then that's going to lead to kids wanting to know what drinking's like. And then they're only going to learn how to drink from their friends who don't know how to drink. I never knew about um, responsible pacing, pacing yeah. right? Like responsible drinking. Did not learn that until I was in my well into my 20s, uh, until I finally had some positive influences in my life in that way. Had my parents actually taught me how to drink, had my parents actually, you know, set me down with some beers or a wine, some wine or whatever, and actually 
had me do that with them at their house. And again, they weren't drinkers, but uh, they could have, I'm sure, for that for that reason, if they'd wanted to. Uh, I think that was a mistake on their part. And, and I, I don't have a lot to criticize my parents about. I think they did a, a pretty good job generally. I mean, they didn't abuse me or anything like that. But I think keeping kids away from things like that, that they're going to encounter. I mean, I'm not saying you should smoke crack with your <laughs> with your with your kids or whatever. But, you know, alcohol is a fairly pervasive thing in American culture. There's a very good chance your kids are going to come across it at some point. So do you want them to have a healthier attitude towards it? Or do you think the total prohibitionist view is going to work? It does seem that in America, it's like anytime somebody turns 21 and they start drinking alcohol, not everyone that I know, but it seems like most people I know have at least a little phase of like getting blackout drunk every time they drink. Because it's like, wait, wait, wait. You actually know people who didn't drink before 21? Well, I wouldn't say didn't drink before 21 at all. I just mean, you know, now they're allowed to buy it and they're out of the house. I'm just... Most of the people I know is actually a different story, uh, Bonnie. They've drunk so much prior to 21 that when they turn 21, they're actually done with it. I think that, like, I seriously think that more people are not interested in alcohol as weed anymore. Mm. Like, when I was in high school, I didn't want to tell this story because I don't know if my parents are listening... But I drank alcohol once at a friend's house. Yes, mm-hmm. it was stolen from her dad's. And it was beer. Mm-hmm. And we each just drank like a beer. And we had never drank before. And this was how old were you? Um, It was 2011. So I was 14. Okay. And we were just like, "That's this sucks. Like, why do people like this instead of right. weed? And that was my attitude until like I was like 19. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to drink again. I was like, why would I want to do this instead of like smoke weed? Smoke and then what weed happened at 19? Um, I had a friend that was older and she just would let me have like a little bit of wine at her house sometimes. And I ended up liking alcohol more. I'd get people to buy alcohol for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked like alcohol and weed at that point. And, and then it's just like the older you get, the more alcohol makes you feel horrible, mm. even if you don't get crazy drunk. So now I just don't want to drink it at all because it just makes me feel horrible because I guess I'm old. You're definitely not old, but you have come to the conclusion that it does not benefit you. Yeah. And the other thing is just the more you know about health, the less you want to dehydrate your body for no reason. Yeah. Especially when like, like stuff like Kratom is just better to me. Like I don't want to be out of control of my body. I don't Mm -hmm. like that idea. Like being out of control of my body for an extended period of time. Like I don't want to do that. It's creepy. And uh, you wake up feeling awful and embarrassed like oh what did i say i don't want to be feel like that ever again it's awful so this whole no sleepovers thing hashtag no sleepovers and it is a thing i, I did search for it here um the uh, you know this sounds to me like helicopter parents this sounds to me like the hovering parent that's always worried about what their their kids are doing they don't want to give them any kind of freedom uh this is the uh, this is the antithesis of the free-range kids viewpoint which I'm, I'm a big fan of i like the idea of of free-range kids what else ariel sullivan this is a third mom mm-hmm. a 37 year old mother of two in new jersey says she doesn't want her kids on screens all night i get very upset when i pick up my kids from a play date and hear oh we watch tv the whole time mm-hmm. she says mm-hmm. i want my kids to be outdoors i want them to be playing night. and learning how to socialize i don't think that she was specifically <laughs> saying that night i think she was saying She's afraid that if she's not watching them, they're going to be on screens all night. You know, it's not the worst uh, excuse either. 
Yeah, I get that. And if that is truly what is happening at a, a sleepover these days, if that's what kids are doing is sitting in the same room together on their phones, then it's like, what's the point? Like you're not you're not doing something together just because you are physically together and you're on your own devices looking at your own thing. You're not doing something. But the other thing is like have a conversation, like be brave enough to have a conversation with the parents. Be like, Jimmy can't spend the night if they're going to be on phones. Sorry, that's just a that's my rule. That's my rule. And if they're like. Oh, I'm sorry. Then, then he can't spend the night with us. You know, it's one one thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're gonna find parents that would say, you know, like, you know, we agree with that. We're gonna start enforcing the same thing. You know, just be brave enough to have conversations yeah. with other parents. It because like we know a parent who is absolutely no screens until they're old enough to be dropped off at the mall is what by himself is what he says. So I could see, you know, because of the things that he's told me about how bad screens are for Mm -hmm. developing brains. Like it's basically like giving your kids crack cocaine. I can understand that being a reason if it's, if it's health reasons like uh, other than COVID-19 because your kids are not going to die from COVID-19. Well, by the same token, the individual you're talking about, I don't think he would be embarrassed to say who it is. It's Jay noon. And we're (laughs) hopefully going to have him back as a co-host soon uh, for listeners that remember Jay. Um, He's got kids now. He's got two of them and they're young. One and three, I think Mm -hmm. are, uh, are their ages, but Jay is doing a great job, it seems like, raising these kids. Um, and so, like, he's not going to be the kind of kid, he's not going to be the kind of parent, I don't think, that would refuse a sleepover. So, while on one hand, he is definitely rightfully concerned about screen time, on the other hand, I don't think he has that same concern about, like, actually, because he wants people to be together. He wants, you know, his, uh, his kids to actually have physical friends. That's the whole point of not being on the screen, is yeah. to actually interact with other humans. I would be really interested to ask him specifically, like, when your kids are old enough, because right now they're really young, mm-hmm. are you going to let them go to sleepovers at like maybe eight years old? I don't know. Is that too young? I, I feel like I was at six or seven or something like that. Maybe maybe I'm remembering a little younger than than it, than it was, but I'm pretty sure I was like seven. I was definitely having sleepovers at like six or seven. Yeah. I, it's easy for me to remember where I was or how old I was because I know how old I was when I lived in each place. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely having sleepovers even when I lived in Kansas, which I moved away from there when I was five. So, yeah. And, and I remember one time, this is just kind of interesting to the story. One time I was having a sleepover for my friend's birthday at her house mm-hmm. and I was, I lived in Kansas. So I was between the ages of like three and five and the mom was letting us play with makeup. And I remember being like, my mom won't let me. I don't know. I don't remember this. It's so weird because whenever I think of this memory, I'm like, it's so weird because I don't remember my mom ever saying like, you can't wear makeup. But I think that maybe I had gotten into her makeup and I knew I wasn't allowed to play with her makeup. Mm-hmm. So at the sleepover, I was like, I'm not allowed to play with makeup. And all the other kids did. And I did. Oh, and you didn't. Wow. Yeah. And she was just rules. like, yeah, I followed the rule. I self followed <laughs> the rules. Oh, you're such a good daughter, Bonnie. Let's go to the phones here. We got uh, David on the line in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, David. I'm Bonnie. And uh, Bonnie's life, you sound like it was a Steely Dan song. The Queervo Gold, the fine Colombian. What? The queer what? Queervo Gold. It's uh, alcohol. Queer. Oh. That was Freudian. The Queervo Gold. <laughs> Steely Dan song. Good song. <clears throat> All right, David. About uh, 20, 20 years before you were born. Now, I still do sleepovers uh, as often as possible. They're fun. Okay. Um, what does that mean as, a, uh, as an adult? Uh, you don't know? Well, that's right. You're married. Never mind. Next topic. All right. Moving on. Moving on. 
what I, what I called about, you said a bunch of things while you're on hold, but what I called about was um, that uh, the, what do you call it again? The um, placebo effect yeah. doesn't work on everybody because it, it doesn't work on me. What do you mean? Because you don't believe in uh, medical technology or what? No, no, because um, I, I I can't explain the workings of your of your personality, your character, your brain, whatever. But it when if somebody gives me somebody meaning a doctor gives me something, it doesn't work until it works. When when you give it, just because you give it to me and you tell me it's going to work, doesn't mean it's going to work. In fact, most of the time when a doctor gives you something, it doesn't work. You know, unless it's the only, the only thing that works, the things that work re- really reliably are painkillers and antibiotics. And the rest of the stuff is like, it works when it works. And until it works, it ain't working. Well, it may have something to do with your, uh, maybe you're skeptical towards doctors in general. I, yeah. think, I think a lot of people believe in doctors. And so therefore, when the doctor says, take this, it'll help cure your blah, 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 whatever the problem is. They believe it. Or the yeah. other way, like uh, when a doctor says, you have blah, blah, blah disease, you're just going to believe it. You're going to die soon. And then they die soon because they bought they right. bought the story. But I could totally see that, uh, David, that maybe it just doesn't work on some people as much who, you know, think harder. Yeah. Makes it, sense. Yeah. Well, I, well, I worked in a hospital for a couple of years, and so I don't, I don't believe doctors. Do- doctors, I trust doctors as much as I tr- trust uh some dude selling whatever down on the street corner. Then that explains it. And, and also, you that know, Nikki it. says the same thing. She's a nurse and she says the same thing that she has way less faith in doctors. Well, she knows they're human. She, uh, she has met the, a lot of them. Yeah, she knows that they're mistakes. fallible. Yeah. Right, right. And she works with them. So she knows how often they screw things up. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so my advice to people is, uh, is uh, yeah, you can't really do, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, you can't do your own medical work but you had better be advised to do as much research on whatever you think you got or whatever you may have or mm-hmm. whatever they tell you you have. You had better spend a whole bunch of hours researching it yourself because your doctor ain't gonna. It's a great point. Is way too busy. Yeah, they're way too busy. To, they, they, they know whatever, whatever it is they know already, that's what they're going to uh, base treating you on. They're not, they're not going to spend a bunch of extra hours to research what Bonnie or Ian uh, you know, have going on. They're gonna they're gonna rely on what they've already learned, and they might they they may not uh, uh, know near as much as if as somebody with uh, some intelligence that spend you know uh, a couple hours or a couple dozen hours researching the latest uh, knowledge on on the subject. So, yeah, I've heard that doctors are usually like thirty years behind like the current science. But the yeah. In some cases, not. I'll give more credit than that. But yeah, in some cases, if they graduated from, you know, it, well, well, yeah, if they graduated from medical school, uh, did their internship 30 years ago, <clears throat> they, um, that's primal in how they're going to behave in the future, and they'll update themselves as often as they have time for, but um, uh, they, they just don't have any time. You know, they're they're so busy. I mean, if you got to work 60 hours a week, you know, 40 minimum, 60 likely 80 possible uh, after you're an established doctor um, you just don't have time to do a whole lot of things other than what the law forces you to do in the form of the continuing education yeah, that's a great point is, david and, that, and that's only 
that's only a couple hours here and there. Yep. Thank you for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Uh, any other takeaways from this story, Bonnie, that you wanted to share that you have? Because it's really interesting. Um. Well, this says guns are a top concern for Casey Calavier, 56, who has a 10-year-old son. Before his family moved to the Pacific Northwest last year, many of their neighbors in their Texas community kept firearms at home. Sleepover invitations also meant explaining that he and his husband were gay parents. People didn't always know. They just knew our kids were friends in school. Mm -hmm. So it meant coming out again. I wonder where in Texas, because it's like my ex-best friend I referenced earlier, we went to high school together and his parents were just okay with him being gay from the moment he was uh, like three years old and started acting gay. Like, and they're, they're from Texas. They're from there. It, it really depends on where in Texas. Like, Interesting story. I wish we had more time to talk about it, uh, but go ahead and send that over to me, Bonnie, so we can make sure it gets up on our social media so people can dig into this on their own. And of course, if you wanted to call on this, but you didn't get time tonight, just call us tomorrow. We'll be happy to talk to you at that time about whatever's on your mind. In the meantime, you can join us at social.freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. Fork Fest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before Pork Fest. Fork Fest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the Forkfest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the Forkfest Forum. You can find links to those at forkfest.party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. Forkfest.party.